You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. to grind a podcast that discusses the most important things in life which is hardcore mm-hmm. and whatever banal bullshit comes up in between talking about hardcore like gremlins 2 gremlins 2 for right example there. uh what did we get on we got on um uh the sitcom 80s sitcoms alf the christmas special which christmas was, special is crazy yeah uh, we're going to talk about it all. We're going to talk about Lynn. We're going to talk about Revere. We're going to talk about the Linway. The we got li- some. Qu- we have questions yeah. about the Linway. Yeah, I got answers. Uh, we got questions about Honeydew Donuts. I'm Patrick. I'm Bob. And our third Mike. Uh, Tom is not here today. Everybody, he's up, he's Tom? an upstanding citizen. He's got so, a real job. He's got a real job. Uh, however, in lieu of Tom, we have uh, Pat Flynn. Tom, I wish you were here. There you go. Uh, Pat, you're going to be our third mic. We're going to we're going to ask you questions, but in the casual sort of bullshitty ass way. That you know we the do. way this. You okay. know the way this works best. It's just hanging out, talking. Yeah, you yeah. Know. got it. Pretty comfortable. Uh, so, uh, let oh, for, oh so, yeah, let's, let's sponsor. Go. Let's sponsor out. Uh, Triple B Records. Let's. We're going to do it quick because this is a special episode. You're getting two episodes this week. Oh, okay. Well, Triple B Records. Uh, dot limitedrun. dot com. Enter the promo code. Axe to grind. And you should. S- spell it out. Yeah. Whoa, you're good. Yeah. 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 He's he's so good. He's on the new stuff where we're not really saying spell it out. Yeah, no, he's ten uh, percent off. Um, order the uh, the have heart. What counts? Twelve inch. Oh yeah, go. please. We made a lot of those. Yeah, there's a lot of those. <laughs> um, and then go to our other sponsor, Deathwish Inc. Uh, the Death finest Wish purveyor, deathwishinc.com, mm-hmm. uh, and. You are going to also want to if when you order things from them, yeah, which you, you put should, things in the cart. Yeah, you put them in the cart, and then you type in the promo code, which would be Axe to Grind. And, and again, it would be important that you spell it out. Okay, mm-hmm. and yeah. you uh, one probably, of the things you're going to put in that cart is um, the, the Half Heart Twelve Inch. Half Heart uh, uh, <laughs> Songs to Scream at the Sun. By, by uh, record, get the get the Half Heart discography um, from Bridge Nine, but buy it through Deathwish. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, but that's d- what we're d- saying. Oh, they have a great that? distro. They Death, got a great distro. Deathwish almost certainly also has the the, the what counts what, or what, twelve inch. Yeah. Oh, the triple B. Probably. Buy, buy yeah, two buy copies. two. That's what I'm saying. And then compare the ship time and then report back to us. Oh, that's good. That's not bad. I I appreciate that. Can, okay. can I do a do a plug for of course both labels? Yeah, yes. please. Uh, at, at, by the point that this is out. Um, I think, mm-hmm. like, I'm pretty sure, and maybe we can edit this out if I'm sure, wrong. Sure, if you're wrong, we'll, we'll make a <laughs> no, I'm almost positive, but uh, Anxious will have a, a, mm. a promo mm. out uh, for their 7-inch that's coming out on Triple B. <gasps> did you hear it? Uh, I, I did today, actually. I did too. And they're sick. They're it's cool. really good. Didn't you record them or something like that? I like, was there with it. They're, yeah. they're doing a, uh, a live in the studio Axe to Grind set Hell coming yeah. out later yeah. this month. So. The songs are cool. Uh, they're, they're done by the youth. Um, and I don't know. I think it's Stony Brook hides my secrets. Uh, you're gonna all be rocking this band in the next six months. Absolutely. I, 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 
it, it is the youth, and I think that it's always cool to kind of watch something grow. Um, the other thing that is not the youth that you can get on Death Wish is the Jesus Eater record. Mm. You and I both agree this is an underrated very good record. record. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm not a fan of the all the songs that Jesus Eater put out, but the songs that rock. Rock. Yeah. They rock. Undeniable. So go support those. Thank you to our sponsors. Hey, why are we here today, Patrick? Oh, uh, I believe it's because uh, Have Heart has announced a reunion show. Oh, a couple. Oh, a couple. All right. Yeah. Tell, tell me four. more. Just four. Just, Just four. four. Oh, yeah. Just Magic four. number. Yeah. Wait, why don't we ask? We should ask him about this. I okay. Yeah. Oh. Tell us more. Uh, the explanation is pretty simple. Uh, Are you copping please already? What is this? Why'd you jump to an explanation? I'm just, well, we want to play shows again. Okay. Uh, that's right. <laughs> that's it. And we don't want to. Ten years down the line, man. You won't be ashamed. Ten, exactly. Uh, ten years have passed, and uh, the five of us play songs under the name Free, mm-hmm. and we simply just said we want to play the Have Heart songs under the Have Heart name uh, because it the timing just feels right. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's kids still say some nice things about the band, and... We've had enough of an education over the last, um, I want to say, 15 years since bands yeah. really started doing reunions. Mm. Uh, we, we've, as kids who got into hardcore in 1999, we've been able to see the do's and don'ts of, of the reunion. For a long time, we were right. very much so on the, we don't know how to, we weren't, we were never against them, but I think that in, in 2009, we definitely knew that like, we don't know how to do this the right way. And over the last 10 years, we've seen a lot of do's and don'ts. And uh, we feel like we have figured out, you know, what we think will be a tasteful way to um, play some shows and, uh, you know, to do kind of kind of keep it keep it classy and do it in a manner that doesn't like demand um, demand the the urgency of the present moment, but also doesn't feel like this kind of like walk down memory lane, nostalgic, Mm -hmm. like festival you know, Only get, get kinda, your kicks on yeah. and pretend you were a part of the past type of thing. And So how do you feel about that? Well, what just occurred to me while Pat was speaking yeah. was a heavier question. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, you know we get heavy on this. All right. So knowing you, not just your music, mm-hmm. uh, I have a different insight into your brain that I think was just revealed in what you what you just said. Mm. But do you think that people that know you exclusively through music know just how neurotic you are? Oh, that's a good question. <laughs> B- because <laughs> no. <laughs> Not at all. Because for people at home, uh if you don't know Pat as a man, I I use neurotic flippantly, but he mm-hmm. is a, a an overthinker and a and a bit of a planner and, mm. and a bit of a person that needs to fully understand a thing. So everything you just said yeah. about needing to do this right didn't read to me as kind of PR speak. Oh, no. It, yeah, it right, read to right, me right. as a very neurotic oh, man. And, and, and so, <laughs> well, I'm, I'm reading it as an openness. Okay. An openness right. Because it's, uh, it's kind of the way. Uh, a couple things that are important to you. History. Oh, yeah. Yeah, pretty important. Yeah, that's about right. Um, hardcore, pretty important. Um, uh, but at this point, twenty years in, yeah, yeah, I know it's a thing, right? Damn, twenty years. Um, it's cool. 
I'm excited. Uh, we talked about this a little bit on uh, something that'll come out on the Patreon. We'll, we'll get you make sure you have the access to that uh, where we recorded while we were driving up here. Oh yeah, and we said yeah. we're both hard sells on the reunion. Okay, but yeah, right. this one is exciting, um, mm-hmm. and I think it was something that I'm a hard f- sell. On yeah, the I know, right? Because it's it's got to be right, and it's got to. F- there's some intangible stuff that just it's got to feel right. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? And um, do we go full? Let's go full transparency. We had a conversation about this last summer. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's about right. And I was like pretty no i was like oh. you were pretty no you were pretty no but there was i believe one of the questions i asked you was you were pretty no but you were still on the phone with me having this conversation yeah yeah because i think there was a party that wanted to do it i mean right? there always has like okay. like i mean i'm not going to lie you know i've yeah. always wanted to I loved those songs, but when, when did it start to just to, to pause you? Mm-hmm. When did the inkling start? Because clearly, six months after the band broke up, you weren't like, "Damn, wish I was playing those songs right mm-hmm. now." Oh God, no, no. Uh, uh, that it, it didn't happen for a long time. I think it was in like in a series of moments. I would say the first moment I can remember was not that long ago, but it was probably so like eight years after the last show. Um, Ryan and I were on our way to free practice mm-hmm. and the two of us are, are right. Me and Ryan, you know, we're, we're, we're bozos yes. and I forget what we were talking about, but we decided to like listen to have art songs and we were like, we haven't, cause we both realized like neither God, of us have listened really funny. <laughs> neither of us have listened to this in a long time. And I think I think that I wanted to check because I think one of the ideas or parts we were trying to put into a, a free song was actually like yeah. a, you were thinking you were kind of song. checking yourself. And right. I was like, I think that this idea is really just something that we've already done, and so <laughs> we put it on and we were like, we hadn't heard those songs in forever, and I think that what's what's really worth noting is that in terms of understanding all this is one of the reasons why we broke up, and. We, I think we straight up hated those songs, like by the end, and, and not in like we don't agree with them. We just like they lost all urgency to us. How many times did you play them? It's like a million fucking right, times. Right. Like yeah, like it, like, and and it killed. I remember the first time I realized like, oh my god, I can't do this anymore. Was uh. I think that we did a we did a weekend. It was it was a cool weekend. It was uh, Have Heart, Trapped in Rice, and Polar Bear Club. Yep. And it was like an East Coast weekend. And we started playing uh, Machinist, which at one point I remember the first time we played it live. I felt like I was gonna throw up with the amount of like, like energy, energy, and like and like just v- like vigorous like passion coming out because i had a lot to say in that song it meant a lot to me and just like even before like the vocals came in i wanted to like lose my fucking mind to it whether or not people were singing along and then i remember playing it was some show i think it was actually montreal we started playing it and i was like oh my god i gotta go through this song again (laughs) and and, and it wasn't that people weren't no people were as excited as as many times before yeah and like and we and the, the context to consider here is that like we had up in front of us like months and months of touring and we also had just just behind us months and months of touring 
And it bummed me out hard to think that like this song has lost its urgency to me. And so then we all kind of collectively felt the same way. Uh, we didn't, we didn't think that we could write uh, a third LP that would satisfy us in the way that we wanted to. Um, mm-hmm. And so it just, the, the timing felt right. Yeah. And we also never wanted to stick around. And this is something I think that you and I have talked about before, but I came into hardcore in 1999 in, in a region of the country in which like, like it seemed like what you did, if especially if you're from the Boston hardcore scene, what you did was you broke up, you got big and you broke up. So 99, you know, I guess number of 99, I start going to shows for the first time and then 10 yard fight breaks up. Yep. I was more into punk, but I knew that they broke up and then a year later in my eyes breaks up. Mm-hmm. And then a year, like a couple years after that, um, stop and think explodes then they break up mm-hmm. and then American Nightmare still at the top of their game breaks they break up. up and then Suicide File explodes out of nowhere breaks they break up. up the rumor of Bane breaking up was always there it yep. never stopped that was the big rumor so like my first like five or six or seven years mental big breaks up yep. was that oh if you're like what you do in a band is like you know you you have a moment and then you pass the torch yeah. and I like this is a, basically it's a finite thing totally and know. like I remember I actually like literally had this conversation with Greg Wilmot I remember uh, we came back from a European tour and we played some Bane show in Worcester <sighs> and Mental had just broken up two months prior yep. and I don't think people know how big Mental really was we should talk uh, about that it, huge massive and they just broke up in Atlanta yep. just in the middle of, like n- they played their set and that was it yeah it was like the coolest fucking thing possible and I remember at that show in Worcester talking to Greg and Greg was like um, he's like yo you, you guys are the the Boston hardcore band right now so yep. you know do it right and like that that's as close to like a torch passing moment as, as possible I think but like like and it was like, it was super motivating to hear that from Greg you know, growing up, he was like a pretty, pretty influential, inspiring guy. Being being from Massachusetts and seeing him around, well, because you got to actually watch Mental go from from soup to nuts, basically. Yeah, and, I mean? and he was, you know, just some dude from the Cape. Yeah, and, uh, yeah. no such luck. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so that was like that was that was what I thought you were supposed to do. That was so, the, the template that you saw. Yeah. 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 So like. We were sort of like, all right, hey, we did two LPs. That's like weird. You know, most bands <laughs> don't. Uh, at least at that time, I, I struggled to think of like a lot of hardcore bands like that are doing more than two LPs. And like, really, if we did a th- third LP, it probably wouldn't wouldn't be good. So let's just call it. And we did because the timing felt right. Yep. And we also definitely fell out of love with those songs. So you fast forward like eight years later, or you know, fast forward like five years later. We, uh, me, Ryan, me and Austin had had this plan to do a band yeah. along the lines of like, we were like, you know, uh, we, this is like when in the last tour, uh, we were, the last half heart tour, Austin and I were like, we're talking, to, we were listening to 108 and we we're like, I think we were listening to Arctic and we were like, yeah. if we could do a band that captures the the soullessness and the dryness of of, yeah. of life and all of its despair, but also with like an energy. Yep. Let 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 let's try and achieve that. And that was originally free. Um so like but then 
I remember it was a Sweet Jesus show with 108, and Ryan was there, and Kay was there, and Sean was in Sweet Jesus was there. So the four of us started hanging out, and we got we had a, it was the first time we hung out in like four or five years, and we had a fucking blast. We were just it was just, it was perfect. Yeah. So I had this band with Austin, and and a couple months later, Ryan hit me up. He's like, Hey man, I'm thinking about doing like kind of like a melodic hardcore band. Mm-hmm. Uh, did you ever listen to One Side of War? Yeah. The Matt Bold The band. Matt Bold Project. Yeah, very good. So me and Austin... Totally lost the sense of time. One of the best records. Uh, yes. Um, one of the best records, in my opinion, that he that he's done. I think the dude from Citizens Arrest was in it. It's my wife. Hey. How you doing? Sorry, sorry, sorry for breaking up the calm of this it's home. Okay. Marin, Pat. No worries, no worries. Hi, how are you? Do you want... You want me to get like get food or any, like anything? What? Do you want me to order food or anything like right that? Now? Yeah, I haven't ordered anything. All right, sorry to fuck up the uh, podcast. No, that's okay. No, this it's, is what it's we the call human organic, moments, organic yeah. sort of yeah. moment here. Yeah. Folo yeah. pizza, Lynn. Nice. Uh, <laughs> there we go. All right. Uh, anyway, so uh, Ryan hits me one about one side of war. Like we're like Ryan and I fucking love one side of war. Yeah. Um, and he hits me about doing a like, melodic like hardcore Patrick. band. I think you'd like it. Yeah. I, I think you would. Okay. Maybe put this on. It's a hard uh, sell. I don't know. I, I think he had some what damaging era? What era moments. Is it? It's like 99, 2000, 2001-ish, I think. Yeah, it's two, Matt Bold. Uh, Matt Bold band. Kind of. It's progressive, melodic, hardcore. It's got a weird production. You might be able to like it. All right. If he sees the logo and it triggers memories of the, the youth crew folk from, from Albany. Yeah, and well, I won't fuck with it that. Will, it just he'll just start twitching. Okay, <laughs> I got youth crew trauma. Yes, he does. <laughs> we can talk about that. <laughs> uh, so, anyways, you and Ryan are talking. R- he's Ryan, got Ryan hits me up and he's like looking at like he's hey you know I was listening to One Side of War. Would you want to like you know fuck around with a band like that? And I was like, well, you know, was like really well versed in that is Austin and he and I have been talking about doing a band uh, and <laughs> doing a band like this and uh, you know and I I like capturing the 108 sound is is fucking tough. very difficult uh you know yeah. and just gathering that whole thing i don't even think it's worth striving for like you might hit unbroken you know what i mean if you're lucky yeah. <sighs> uh, but you're not gonna hit 108 there's different levels to the 108 sound and i just don't think the right people have tried for it because i think anyone who cites it as a reference is missing the bit and missing some of the technicality and then missing some of the underlying sharpness to the groove mm-hmm. uh, here's what i think i think that anybody that tried it now would be too influenced by metal and, yes and I, I think it would i think it would lack something entirely yeah you gotta have like a chromax influence uh, i i, I think i think vic is pulling from something i mean he's a metalhead i'm sure but the, he's pulling from something other than and it's difficult to identify even when he's playing a metal riff i so. think he's a metalhead who's trying to play groove music but he's such a metal dude that he's 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 writing he's writing metal leads all over it. He just can't not. I, I can't put a finger on it, but he, he it's a singular sound. And then you put the emotional background of those guys mm-hmm. onto yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, 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 need, you need to not have fucked for like four years and feel, <laughs> feel, feel very pent up, very like, you know, you think you're living the right way, but the world keeps telling shitting on you. So you're insulating more and more, getting weirder and Things weirder. Things don't feel good. Nothing feels good. Right, right. Um, I mean, I was in, in a fucking trance listening to Threefold Misery for the first time. Like, it utterly changed my life for a solid 
a solid year. I like I, I never wore the beads. No. But mm. I almost mm. did. No, I I thought about buying some the other day. <laughs> I have beads. Yeah? Yeah. It was, it was that powerful. So like threefold. When you first hear it, even, even if you're familiar with holy name and songs, threefold is a different beast. <sighs> Man, it, it, it's so insane. But that idea was born out. I remember it was. Uh, we were in Sweden, and the sun literally went down at like two p.m. <laughs> and it was like Christmas time, and it was me, Austin, and JD from Shipwreck, and we had this. We were listening one away, and we we're like, let's just fucking do this. I got to a point in my head where I was like. I don't think we can actually accomplish this yet. Some <laughs> massive fucking breakdown in my life has it's to going occur. to happen, right? Uh, and I, I'd rather get there when when the time is right. Let me uh, not force that issue. What's that? Let me not force that issue. No, please not. Uh, but anyway, so uh, I decided to kind of table that, and I don't know. Like, so here's a digression, but a topic is like what uh, my good friend Gil Safan calls. Uh, science fair project bands oh, yeah. where and i i have a mm-hmm. i have a take on it and it's like it's it's a band that's you know trying to do a sound sure. that's already been carved out to me yeah. i see it I, it has its place and it can be fun so for example my sweet jesus swizz mm-hmm. was my like i like my my wife and I, where we meet in terms of influences, mm-hmm. is Swizz. Uh, she she's it's a beautiful relationship. Yeah, That's she very nice. she takes m- more aggressive stuff than I than I'm into. She's more of the man is the bastard like <laughs> genre. And just, I, it just became less sweet, really. This yeah. is really interesting. <laughs> so she's coming down to you with that, like okay, yeah, yeah. I can she, I can meet you with this. Right, right, right. right. All so, right. So we're gonna talk bastard noise after this with Marin for a little while. Yeah. See where we can go. <laughs> so, so I. Like, you know, I love Swiss and I was just so fascinated by the sound. But I grew up in the area in which I grew up in New Bedford. Um, Chillmark, did you ever guys see, yeah. see hear that band? No. That mass band. They'd pulled off a Swiss sound. And Adam Gonzalez, who was the original bass player of Sweetie's, the original bass player of, of Fiddlehead and George Radford, they were in this band that was doing the Jason Farrell Swiss sound. That, and they were at my first show, like Hardcore Show I ever went to. And for some reason, like that is not a sound that I think your average hardcore kid likes. Hence, like the relative limited following that Swiss has maintained over the years. Um, we talked about we talked yeah. about it very recently on, yeah. on, a, on an episode that's going to air uh, prior to this it, one. Yeah. Oh, right on. Uh, maybe. And, yeah. and uh, uh, I don't know if the average kid I, look th- that music is really resonant to me because it it's. Uh, so bass dependent and it that's like mm-hmm. sexy to me and makes it so it's like yeah. it, it just groovier uh i don't think hardcore has many bassists worth a shit oh uh, yeah so, so uh i think that that's part of the block here is that you have a lot of uh hardcore bassists are kind of don't understand uh, speaking broadly maybe don't mm-hmm. understand the instrument uh, or, or understand what it's capable of. Right. Well, they, they see it as it's not an instrument. It's an accoutrement yeah, to a it, sound. Yeah, I, so I, than, I picked this up. something they can lead. Less yeah. strings, easier. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. like, and what hey, I... Hey, you over there, you can play bass. Right. Yeah. Meanwhile, Adam G is like bass god. Yeah. Like, he is truly like a marvel to watch playing bass. And I remember my standard for like 1999 watching him play, I was like, oh, that's like, what you're supposed to do because right. he was just so advanced so good, yeah. around here like he and i we, we started another band because i just love playing with and him with sean costa is like it's just fucking fantastic yeah, that's something um so they really connect but 
like so i was like Science you know fair what project bid. like they got I, a place but I is think this what we're doing yeah yeah like i think it's 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 a fun creative project and that to me is what sweet jesus was mm-hmm. and clear was my like kind of like like you know i want to try just like a ucyot sound just for fun it's it's good straightforward like straight edge hardcore your least popular band sure we still got oh, an LP coming out. You so. got it coming out. Okay, that was the next. <laughs> it's been question. written for about it's seven good. years, but it was uh, good life. Uh, you know, we had fun with the band, but it was like we're not trying to push any boundaries here. Yeah, that is just like like playing inside the, the playing it, playing ball. It, it's fun, but I could see I, like there are bands that do it sometimes. Where I'm like, I don't think that they're aware that this is a science fair project, and like. No. To me, it's not about ape, like aping the aesthetic. It's really about trying to like have fun with trying to capture a sound that was like totally written because of its its context twenty years ago. So, I've always um, had like a fineish. I don't know about what you guys think about that, but like I think it, it has its place. But if science fair project bands, I, like when um, I when I see a band and I'm like, oh god, give me a fucking break. Like sometimes I see those bands and I'm like, just there's nothing. We it, talked it's about repulsive. I, so I, I have a very complex. No, yeah, it's, it is repulsive. If it's if it's if it's done in a haphazard, sloppy way, you're wasting my time and yours as well. Um, if it's done in a way that's basically saying, "Oh, you you do a sound like that here," I'm so hyper competent. Watch us do this, and we can crush it. That can have fascination to me. That can be uh-huh. really good, and be like, "Oh, damn!" I mean. It's not a science fair project band, but uh, better than a thousand hmm. to me isn't that far off from that. It was basically guys going like, "Hey, let's do this sound. Oh, this this sounds big now. Let's try it." And they were like, "Let's get Ray Capo to sing for this band." And uh, the second better than a thousand LP is huge. It's a great record. Oh my god, value driven, value driven, bro. I got a poster of it <laughs> in this. <laughs> That, pointing to his couch that I got from somewhere in Japan, fucking Europe probably. you would hate this record oh I'm aware <laughs> it <laughs> is fucking amazing though We're it's going, so good the first record eh. Eh, eh, exactly but the second record is just like masterwork yeah. um, and I think that that's but there are some examples but I think there's a lot of these you know project bands science fair project bands I don't have a lot of time for it what about you uh, all of my bands start as science fair project bands with the understanding that they will not be that after a demo, after right. a first record. Uh, right. I think it is totally healthy. Yeah, that's actually, that's a good way to look at mm-hmm. that. I think yeah. it's totally healthy to say, I want to sound like Cave In Until Your Heart Stops with the understanding that you are in the room with talented people and that is your baseline, not yeah. your goal. And mm-hmm. uh, and I, if you achieved perfection in, in uh, uh, duplicating that sound, you've probably failed. Yeah, I mean, honestly, if you hit it out of the park for one song or your demo and people can marvel at how good you are at copying, good, I guess. That's cool. <laughs> but but it, but it should not be the it shouldn't be the fucking goal, in my view. Uh, you know, there are dudes who this is this is their interest. Like, look, I thought about picking up. Uh, this is going to get a heavy topic. Are you already? You, yeah, you ready for this? sure. So I was sitting uh, in an Indian restaurant in London the other day, mm. and Mr. International. And yeah. I'm waiting. I'm waiting for my order, uh-huh. and I'm sitting there reading a. a, a What'd you tr- get? A trade magazine. Uh, I got like five things because it was my last day. And yeah, I was like, I'm going, I'm going. That's when you got your hard. haircut too. I'm going okay. fucking hard. All right, so you're reading a trade magazine. 
I'm reading Trade Magazine, and it's, the Curry Awards are in it, right? Oh. Where it's the, you know, the trade, the they honor these Indian chefs that uh, stand out for some reason, right? Yeah. So I'm reading all their bios, and I'm kind of weirdly fascinated by all their yeah. bios. And it's all it's mostly Pakistani dudes, but there's this one dude that looks like the Gordon Fisherman, right? He's a white guy with a white beard, and I'm like, who the fuck is this motherfucker? And I read his bio, and this is his fifth career. And, and wow. he's he's been an archaeologist. He's run uh-huh. a nonprofit. He, uh-huh. he, and and I'm just looking at this guy going, damn, I thought I was lit for being a musician that writes comics, but I'm a fucking fraud. I need yeah. I need a third. This dude's an archaeologist who goes fishing on the reg. <laughs> I need a I need a third fucking thing. You right? gotta start cooking some curry. That yeah. might, I, you know what? <laughs> Fried fish curry. We got it. Here I love go. fucking curry so yeah. much. Uh, it also staves off Alzheimer's. Um, so mm-hmm. the. Uh, so anyway, I was thinking about this, whatever. Uh, and if if th- there's guys that we know that their hobby is yeah. trying to perfectly replicate a thing. Mm-hmm. And in the same way that I was thinking about picking up lock picking or making little ships in a bottle or whatever, whatever the fuck. Lock picking, nice. <laughs> I was just thinking about <laughs> hobbies and crafts and things that are, you know, like, oh, should I go paint miniatures? Because that would be relaxing. Mm-hmm. Some people really get off on trying to recreate you know straight ahead you know whatever it is yeah you know what i mean yeah and yeah yeah like like me like i i enjoyed yeah. those sweet jesus practices were awesome because we were like oh like the, the slogan was like you know wwjd what would jason yeah. do yeah <laughs> um and it was fun it was just like oh but let's not and it was always interesting because it was you know let, let's let's <laughs> capture the sound but not too close so that it doesn't have any of its own identity. And I feel like we kind of No, I think Sweet Jesus was very I think you guys are a good example of something we talk about frequently, which is the difference between homage and and ripoff. Yeah. The the hard part about that band, in my view though, is Swizz doesn't have a lot of acolytes. You're right. Mm -hmm. So it's a bit like when people try to rip off the Kinsellas or something, some somebody Mm -hmm. like that where it's a singular sound, right? It's like it's like the worst self defense songs are lungfish songs. They're good songs, mm-hmm. but lungfish is singular and unique. So trying to rip off something that is singular and unique is very different than ripping off a second generation youth crew band. You, you know what I'm saying? So, <laughs> yeah. like, and this is nobody's fault because some things people take the ball and run with it, and you could be the third iteration of that. And there's kind of no shame in it no harm no, no foul sure. people don't even link you to the other thing mm-hmm. but if i have to compare sweet jesus to swizz as much as i like sweet jesus <laughs> swizz gonna win every time oh absolutely and, and yeah and, and that, that was always the uh so like yeah the, the thrust yeah, yeah right yeah. and so like i would love to get together with some dudes and be like let's do ink and dagger you know what i mean like mm-hmm. let, let, let's well and so that's i mean to me sometimes something like maybe we look at these science project fair bands as being, uh, you know, we talked about, I was introduced to the concept category collapse the other day, and I think that's brilliant. Category but collapse. Category collapse. Mean? So, like, like uh, me, you, and Patrick go to the same high school, and you like youth crew, Pat likes metalcore, and I like thrash, but we're the only people at the high school who <laughs> like guitar-based music in 2019. So we're all So we're going to be friends, yeah. 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 So we're all oh, yeah. just into yeah. hardcore, and we right. cr- collapse our categories. So that's Get broken. Right. So, but the idea of these project fair outside of let's let's exempt Sweet Jesus for a second. What bands do you put in the 
acolytes or in the Swizz genre. Literally it, just other members of correct. Swizz ex-member bands. So That's Sweet it. Jesus Blue could tip. be considered... Well, yeah, right, right. Um, red so, hair. Yeah, Blue is, tip, yeah. red hair. Jesus, uh, yeah. Sweet belly freak down. Yeah, uh, yeah, right. So you can, if you do it well, I think Sweet Jesus, we can say you did do it well, you've added to a your genre building. Yeah, building, it, and hopefully people take influence and go, oh, I could do a band that sort of sounds like this, and I'm going to throw in a, a, some lemon zest. Mm-hmm. So, so there is a place for it. Um, and with with Swizz, it felt it it actually kind of it almost felt like we were doing a doing a service for the scene. Oh, min maybe no, 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 straight up yes. uh, exposure. Yes. Yeah, it's exposure. Like, no, Samich Records. Yep, and Jade Tree, 21st Century. Not exactly like on the uh, the pulse of every fifteen no. and sixteen year old no. kid, and I'm not saying that like I'm that bridge, I'm that medium. No, but if you can contribute at all, it's whatever. It, it was somewhat of a way to kind of like continue a style and continue in moving on into the the development, the chronology. And it's important for a sound to continue is to have someone look back and go, "Yo, that sound is awesome." Yeah, I mean, for example. When we do the Spotify playlist, we've talked about Swizz any number of times on the podcast. Uh, I'm pretty sure that the discography on Jade is not on Spotify. So yeah, I've had to go cool. and I'll throw, I think I threw one of your songs. I think you guys did a song with... Um, oh, with Sean. Yeah. Oh my God. So, so Literally that, like... Right, rad, right? Explains the reunion of... <laughs> me and my wife and there's a bigger story but oh, uh, is that, yeah is that for uh, we'll save that for another time i mean it could, it's, a, it's a quick one do it do it my Hit wife it and it. i we started dating in high school you know early on uh you know you're gonna break up a couple times and uh we had been broken up for at that point like about 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 two years yeah and sean we, we call that off-brand patrick flynn era <laughs> that was a little off-brand but so we uh you know, we were broken up for about two years, and um, we just recorded the LP with Jay Robbins. And um, I, unfortunately, Sean couldn't be there. Sean Brown couldn't be there to do his part, and um, uh, so he did it. And then Jay sent us the mixes, and like I heard him, I was like, "Oh my fucking god!" Like Sean fucking Brown you sang said, on this. And then song. you said, "You know who would appreciate this?" <laughs> Pretty much, my old buddy Marin, <laughs> my old ex girlfriend. Yeah. Uh, but. Um, so that's, I, that's way better than a WYD at two in the morning. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know I mean? like, he just sends an audio track at 2 a.m.? Yeah. What are you doing? <laughs> way, way Listen better. to this. But I actually w- I went through my record collection, and I was looking for my Swiss records, and I realized I was like, she has them. And we hadn't ta- spoken to her in two years. It was like yeah. quite the, quite you know, like we broke up, and like the problem was, was that we separation. never- We never actually, when we would have these mini breakups, we would never actually like find ourselves alone. Um so uh, it was just a, it was a call just to get back in touch and, and that communication and uh, it put us back in touch and um, I mean that wasn't it but like it 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 brought us together so yeah. you know but yeah we had him on the record and it's cool and and that was that was another that wasn't just like kind of like a um, oh we want to have names on this record uh, that was really very much so like yo this band is a is a, is a project for. Like, you know, kind of like keeping, you know, the, the, this style, this genre of hardcore that's like gone under the radar, trying to keep that alive. And, you know, and I think in the liner notes, we always said, go listen to Swizz. Yeah. Um, so in that sense, I'm perfectly okay with that, especially if it's for like an obscure band uh, or a not so popular sound. A topic that came up on a recent episode, gateway bands. 
is oh. kind of the weird honor of being a gateway band that you never appreciate when you're 17 and you want to be the coolest dude. But as you get older, gateway bands, like if you exposed, mm-hmm. like gateway bands largely refer to lar- like popular bands that kind of get you into something. But, oh, I, yeah. but, but I also yeah. think that there is a, a gateway to a sound. Like let's say mm-hmm. that some kid listens to Sweet Jesus, thinks this is dope, reads listen to swizz mm-hmm. listens to swizz and never picks up a sweet jesus record again that's still a victory for sweet jesus you oh know? yeah yeah totally and, totally and that's the thing that i believe very firmly is if you if you use my records as a stepping stone mm-hmm. to something that has really changed my life bless you know, up yeah bless up you know yeah. what i mean like good <laughs> we all win together yeah yeah and, and <clears throat> so but yeah that that was the point and you know, another band that comes to mind that i thought kind of did something cool uh like a real maybe not like a science fair project in the way that we've been talking about it but like yeah i was never the biggest no warning fan mm-hmm. and i was more of a knockdown fan uh, yes familiar. <laughs> um, full contact yeah full contact then it became knockdown they only right? played one show's knockdown i think and it might not have even been uh, yeah, yeah yeah the knockdown seven inch is quite good shout out sean youngblood but sean when, youngblood when the seven inch came out and then then ill blood i remember i remember being like this is interesting because like this is not what i expected and it oddly had like a weird youth crew sound to it but i was like this definitely sounds like mad ball yep but it has a youth crew sound to it and it, it reminds me of breakdown and that was like to me that's like that's some cool scientific work right there blending mad ball with floor punch the kids from with, as you with, once were were scientists were were students of the game we give them a lot of props i think tom said it very well recently that no warning ill blood sounds like a lot of things but then it doesn't sound like anything it it it, it, i think you honed it in is that it's guys coming from a youth crew background who really got into breakdown really got into mad ball really got into some of the you know 89 to 91 new york sounds but still had a little bit of speed to it Mm mm-hmm and where does that classify? And the only thing it classifies is that it kind of shaped what hardcore sounded like pretty much since then. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, one of the doubt. one yeah. of the mile markers of two, post-2000 hardcore. Yeah, I think the time with, with I remember with Terror kind of getting around at that time, like it hasn't, it really, that's been the most consistent sound that has remained since 2000. Just so we've the, been, we've been no doing records. that Mosh Madness thing, to the best record since 2010, right? Yeah. And that's been one of the most con- most revealing things is they, they those two records, and maybe there's a few other examples, so please forgive us if we've forgotten you, but Terror Low is the Low and No Warning Ill Blood set a template that bands, for better or worse, depending on where you fall in your interest set in sound, have followed. Yeah, that, the, the, that, it, uh, the continuity is there. You And you look to the, what is it, the 21 years prior to those records? Yep. And it's... That sound is not there, and nope. if it is, it's happening in New York, and it's really just it, it's it's well, not there. So that that that's a turning point. So here's an interesting thing that we talked about a little bit is the because um, we were talking about mindset in the first step and okay. how they had what we would have labeled a modern youth crew sound. Oh yeah, oh yeah, it, it's and me, it's, it's very distinct. And there's it, a few other bands you could probably put in there too. It's Tyf sped up is my personal. Opinion. Oh okay, that's interesting. It's my take, but that. We are now post that sound. We are now post modern youth crew because bands who are like Line of Sight, mm-hmm. he's going back to a sound template that's before that, that's closer to 
not the 90s revival stuff, but closer to something that's coming from the 80s. Right. So it might be a little faster. I mean, I think Clear kind of is an example of that. You guys weren't doing that. Like the first step recordings, mindset recordings are really clean and they feel really strong and you can feel all the emotion and the vocals are clear as can be, but they have such a distinct sound. If you listen to that next to Gorilla Biscuits or Youth of Today or Judge, they're very different animals. But if you go listen to it maybe next to the In My Eyes LP, Difference Between, hmm. and listen to Ten Yard Fight, you could draw more parallels. Yeah, yeah, and it makes sense. Steve was like of that late yes, 90s he was. generation. But I remember getting the the first step demo and just like, because I had missed, I pretty much missed Ten Yard Fight in my eyes. Yeah. They broke up right as I was getting, like as I was getting into hardcore. So when um, one of my dad's former students this kid this guy pat whittle and uh shout out to the whittle family oh okay you're you're familiar i know i know pat and james and he, is there another uh i think it's just, pat and just james. those two yeah. um but anyway he he was friends with steve and he knew that i was booking shows in new bedford and gave me the demo and to me i was because there was no one doing that sound, the youth no. crew sound uh and i just dove right the fuck in but i remember thinking like this doesn't sound exactly like i want like the feeling the energy is all there but it, it doesn't it's, it's a different blend of yes of, of youth crew. i know you're you're loving this topic of no i actually <laughs> i actually so we, i because i like that mindset record i f do find this topic interesting because if you told me that the secret ingredient to getting me to like youth crew would be to put the slightest terror heaviness on top and then record it well I would tell you not a fucking chance. You know what I mean? But but that's actually what it like huh, I like that okay. mindset record. Yeah, it, it, yeah, you do you 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 were I was impressed with how much you liked it actually. It, well, it has some legitimately heavy parts. You talking about Leave No Doubt? Leave No Doubt. Yeah. 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 yeah it has record. some legitimately heavy parts and it does to my ear sound better even though you could also write it off as too slick for the genre. You know what I mean? Like if if you it wanted could be. to, it could be you if could you wanted say, to. But you could say mm, this is not. I think that you know what the part that gets me is that they overwhelm it they, with their emotion and the way they display on that record. So, so and I think that that's a really strong showing. Where, like I've gone back since we listened mm -hmm. and listened again. I'm like, yeah, they really do. That you know, you can feel it. When that dude's singing on the track, you can feel it, and that's that's not you can't say that for all all hardcore records, let alone records that sound like that. No, I think an interesting we, we got to go down a go it alone path soon and see yeah, we and see how those stand up because I I think that that might be its kissing cousin that that might <sighs> yeah. be the that might be mindsets kind of the closest thing that I can see that is still I would say under the youth crew umbrella, but but pushing a boundary at least. I'm yeah, gonna go it alone. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that was another like part of the slim pickings of that when we were fourteen or fifteen because the youth crew revival was effectively over and American Nightmare was in and the like stop and think was turning a lot of people's attention towards New York. Yeah, and I like me. I mean, I was like looking for the kind of classic, straightforward mm. youth crew stuff, and then I remember getting the Go It Alone demo and. To this day, I fucking love battery, and I remember thinking like, "Oh, this is they got the the battery skank." They do. This. You know what's really uh, funny is I think that they did battery better than battery. I, I have I have to disagree with you until the end. Uh, like I'm with until the end. Do you, oh, are you a whatever oh, it takes, guy? bro? Bro, 
Bro, I'm I'm <laughs> I am until the end with battery okay. the whole way through. I got whatever it takes first. Yeah. And it's gotta be until the end, man. Dude. I I get it because you were you were there. Yes. And but I, I when I was in high school, I gained a lot of weight because I, I I just I don't have an eating disorder, but I have an eating problem. I just you get can't, excited about food. I just can't stop. Okay. Those who know me, and I'm happy to Share reveal this publicly. But I am a, a, a sub addict. I have like an actual oh. problem. I can't stop and I won't stop. So don't even get me started. Okay. Are we doing but subs tonight or no? Just pizza? I think we should go to Jersey Mike's. Okay, that's that's on the agenda. I'm buying you guys. Do you know that's from Point Pleasant, New Jersey. That's right, like the town next to Breck. Yeah, you're related to Mike. I am. I, I am <laughs> Jersey God. Mike, actually. <laughs> um, but, so some problem. Uh, anyway, how are you talking again, about it? Yeah, let me tie this back. And I'm going to loop back to where we were with with Havart. But um, yeah, we're going to get big mad from people who are just listening to this for just the Havart reunion. That's tour. fine. It's okay. They, you know, whatever. Yeah. Uh, but man, I remember a good sub going for a long distance. I, I like I I knew I had to exercise and. And I also wanted to eat, and I wasn't. I, I also wasn't getting rid of the subs, the amount of uh, subs that I was taking in. So I said, you know, I'm just gonna have to start running. I wasn't running to like be healthy. I was running so I could eat. Um, yeah. So what I what I did to do with that, and and there's something about the battery skank because they have the same type of breakdown over and over yes. and over and over. But, I think Ken Olden uh, put a patent in on it. Actually, <laughs> it, it's so sick because when you're running, it it's works the perfect for cardio. Yes, fucking pace for running. And Brian was talking about friends and 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 crying yes. and being yes. emotional. And I remember being like, I have friends. <laughs> And sometimes they're dickheads, and sometimes they're the like they're family, and <laughs> and, and sometimes I, and like, I cry while I'm it, running to get a sub. Exactly. So like, and I remember it all it, made sense. And also like, I, I'm not trying to put Brian on blast or anything like that, but yeah. like I did notice that in earlier photos of Battery, yes. he was he was he was a little bit heavier. Yeah. But in later eras, he looked like he was like you know he was you know super fit and yeah. i was like ins- i was genuinely inspired by that and like i don't cool. i i know it sounds funny but like i was inspired to like you know kind of get in, into shape and but listen to battery man and the record what's i got the best first song? was whatever it takes what's the best song you can't win is my favorite one okay. on whatever it takes but i gotta say why is she in pain is my like let's also blame the media for the fact she's in pain oh my god Dude, we might need to stop and play that song. Oh right? my god! You've entirely, the only thing the beauty check, that song changed my life is low self-esteem. Wow. The only thing they leave the half heart song, no roses, no skies, is literally just half hearts. My personal lyrical attempt to Take basically do why is she in pain? Yo, I love what you just said. I do that all the time. Where, yeah. I, where I'm like, I just want to do this. Can't. I'm gonna do my best. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Totally. Yeah. When Battery did the reunions, there's one part. In that song, where he just yells, mm-hmm. he just screams like, "Ah!" Yes, I know you know what I'm talking about. I do. I know the song I grabbed, very well. I, like I was, you like, did the scream. I was Thirty years old, and he, I yeah. grabbed the mic to ensure it. That happened. was your part, totally. And I like pushed myself back and just started skanking. <laughs> uh, like, like, so battery's a big, big deal. And I, I, I just got to... Battery's a medium-sized deal, okay? Battery's a medium-sized deal, but they're you a big-sized deal to Mr. Sub over here. So, yeah. Um, go to loan, like... like that, no, those, no first, those first couple records are sick. Those yeah, are they good are. records, and they, they definitely kept uh, the Hugh Crew dream alive in, in like, 2000 in New and 2001 yeah. uh, for me, Ryan Hudon, and Eric Were St. they James. around that early? Yes, 2002. Two, two, yeah, okay. Um, uh, and then the first dip 
came on the scene and you know same same time frame right there yeah. Yeah. all right anyway uh science fair project bands you know like mindset i w- what were you saying about mindset in terms of like the blending of sounds you think that he they, liked they had, like, he liked the sound he, i think i think that last record is heavier than its contemporaries yeah. i i think mm-hmm. that if you tried comparing that to kind of more of a standard fair youth crew or not a modern youth crew yeah i think that that last record st- stands up uh uh as a heavy as a heavier effort in youth crew but they didn't like go full hog heavy on that. Right? No, 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 no. It's, it's not even. It's yeah. It's heavy is maybe like it, like you even saying the word heavy. It's like heavy. Yeah, I guess don't confu- <laughs> don't confuse it with hard. There's nothing hard about it. Yeah. It, well, actually, I, hard and heavy. I, I would say it's hard, but not heavy. Oh really? Yeah. See, I, I think mean, I think I don't think they get. I don't I think, think they get to the heavy tones. No, really. I so I, to, to me, to me, that's a heavier record than. 99% of youth crew mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because after because yeah. I don't think many youth crew records ever get heavy I mean other than Judge bringing it down well that's that's where I'm gonna go is that next. really a youth crew record though uh, yeah. it's a, that's the it's the door opener that I just had a very depressing group chat convo with friends where we were like we love Judge bringing it down but it's also like uh, it's like the cousin you love who went to prison and <laughs> and like started bringing bad stuff around the house and like <laughs> what do you mean now you chew tobacco <laughs> And you're like, God damn, oh. it was that judge bringing it down record. Well, okay. So th- that's <laughs> actually, record. that kind of dials in what I'm trying record. to say. Is but that's why you got the skull patch in your back pocket the, there. The, the first judge ring has a lot to do with, with okay. the we'll, we'll half around. Let's get to there. Yeah, sure. Well, yeah. I was going to say, youth crew, typically when it becomes heavy, becomes something else. It does. It becomes actually New York hardcore a lot of times. Correct. And then... Because that's the influences they infuse. Right. And yeah. But for me, mindset... Manages to be heavy without, without going there. It never becomes New York hardcore. Interesting. No, I don't think they ever touch New York yeah. hardcore. Okay. Mm-hmm. What do they get? Some crunchier parts? Is that what you're thinking? I of? straight up think that it's like a post-terror world that they're living in. That's definitely true. And I think that there are parts of that record huh. that are. I don't. I wouldn't say All the right. terror. They don't All sound right. like terror. Right. I'm just saying that that is post-terror music. Okay, we're gonna listen to the car. All right. Post-terror music. Okay, let's talk. So we're circling back to have heart. Because a lot of you get out of the science fair, but, <laughs> but let's talk about what you were saying, which is the judge reunion in 2012. I think it was right, yeah, influenced well, this. So 13 something. Like that. I know where I left off, and then I'm going to get get. Please do, please. But so the me, JD, and Austin were in Sweden on a half heart tour with Shipwreck, and we had this one away band idea. It was either going to be called Dry, which was going to be the name of a Shipwreck song. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that was the original name. Years go by. The idea continues. And I'm thinking, you know, I kind of like the name Free. has a, you know, just it's, it's nice and straightforward. And Homage to the 70s rock band. Sure, sure. Yeah. Funny story. The band was originally supposed to be called Freedom. And then mm. Clear played a show with the actual Freedom. Yeah. And I love that band. I'm, I'm sad they, they broke up. Yeah. Uh, but I remember when I first saw them, they had a whole different lineup. It was, yeah. it was, it was Dennis and, and Nick, and I think that was it. And I was like, you know, Austin and I were talking like, oh, dude, they're going to, they've taken the freedom name. And I'm like, ah, I don't know. I think they're going to break up, you know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but they turned out to be an incredibly excellent, important band for hardcore. But um, so upon realizing 108 was like, you know, too much to try and achieve. And, and JD is really where the, the 108 influence would come in. So that, that, that idea has been tabled. And I like your idea of like, we can start off with a baseline, but we're not going to mock like, you know, ape. Yes. So like that band is like still like at some point in my life, like 
on the horizon. You're still reserving a space for that. Band totally. And like, yeah. you know, like whether or not we would play live is a different thing, but that's still, there's an energy and there's like this, like I only, in terms of like straightforward hardcore bands, I would only have room left to try and do something in that vein, but it would have to be, I would love to hear this. It would have to yeah. be like full on, like, like not just musically, but like lyrically, I'm not saying I'm converting to Krishna, but like, yeah. you know, like the, outpouring of emotion it needs to be a spiritual kind of vibe and 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 so you know this band that that idea was was tabled because ryan hit me up to do a melodic hardcore band and austin is very well versed in that and we wanted this band this one-way band to have a slight tinge of melodic hardcoreness so long story short you know Kay and ryan and sean and i meet up at a sweet jesus show and ryan had been hitting me up about this melodic band I'm not like confident in the ability at this point in my life to do like a 108 style thing. So I table that and then lo and behold, we were like, you know, the five of us had so much fun together at the end of Half Heart and that being me, Austin, Kay, Sean, and Ryan Hudon. And, you know, we had, we've always had so much fun together and we were like, why don't we just, why don't we just do this? And they're like, well, isn't that like a, that is effectively Half Heart. (laughs) And we don't want to be... <laughs> I like the internal conversation. About yeah. it. Wait, isn't this the same? This is us, right? Yeah. And so we effectively were like... But we, we didn't have the same draw towards those songs. Um, not that we hated them, but we hadn't... We didn't want to... We played them so much. Yeah. Like, you know, and, and songs are diff, different from a relationship. You know, yeah. you can very easily, with no one's feelings getting hurt, decide to not play a song whereas mm-hmm. in a relationship you know you gotta make those work yes uh um but so anyway like we, we we had fun writing new songs and we it was it was liberating writing songs not liberating but like you know we we, we didn't want to be caught in the situation where bands that get back together are really people want to see them really because they want to see yeah the, old the older catalog absolutely and we also didn't like the uh, like we didn't like the look of getting back together and then we you know we just couldn't we didn't feel like we could you know operate in that shadow and we just wanted to write new songs and and really free has free has really just been a band i would say to for the five of us who like and enjoy writing music together yeah to write music together to hang out and to ha- like you know not that we need a reason to hang out but it like it it, it kind of commits us to a reason to be hanging out together and somewhere along the way, like we were driving a free practice, me and Ryan listened to those songs, and we were like, "Fuck, these songs were these songs are pretty sweet." Like and <laughs> these these songs these are, are good. sick. Yeah. And and you know, so, and that was it. Yeah, it could be as simple as that. Like, and, and, well, no, well, it wasn't like, oh, let's do the reunions now, right? Like, but it was like we we're like, oh, that that's cool. And like, I I we still like these songs. Yes. Mm-hmm. Whereas, like, when the band ended, and, and I don't want people to think that like. Towards the end, like we hated what we were doing, we loved what we were doing, but we just knew that like it was gonna start turning to hate if we continued any further. Yeah. And so we were play- at that last show. We, you know, we, we we loved those songs. We were happy to play those songs. They had the same urgency. They meant something to us. Same resonance. But yeah. but here a thing that I don't think you you don't need to explain it at all. But just for any listener that so they can be clear, the last time you're doing something is genuinely exciting. Yes. So so, yeah. so when you say we were we were pretty burnt on those songs or we knew that we didn't want to play them moving forward, but you know, we still just for anybody that was at that last show, 
trust we were having a good time. Well, and anybody who was anywhere on that last tour. Right. You know but, what I mean? Like, but, but you, I there was an end in sight. Yeah. Whereas what you were describing earlier, you had just finished however many bunch of shows and you were playing those, about to play those songs and then looking forward at however many months of shows mm. in front of you. Right. Yeah. I, I actually think there's something really... You know, I, uh, so end of a year did some of those final shows with mm-hmm. you. Oh, yeah. yeah. And yeah. I always comment, I never met a band that was more on top of the world that was more excited to break up. Yeah. <laughs> you, you know, because... You guys had a really healthy perspective on it, I felt like. I thought so, too. I, but yeah. my attitude is just knowing that something's going to end can be sad, but it's also quite exciting and makes every last performance really sort of fulfilling yeah yeah i mean I, I the way i could liken it to is like you know you're writing a book and you're thinking about how you're going to write that that final paragraph that hopefully it fucking like hits and you know it stays with you for a long time and you know those like we originally when we did that last world tour uh our plan was to like finish it and then announce at the end like and then announce that our last show was going to be in october yeah and then we played we played in China, and people would be like, can't wait to see you come back. And we're like, yeah. Yeah, yeah right. And then we got to, we played um, we played a show in Manila in the Philippines, and it was one of the most like emotionally like driven um, sets we'd ever played. Yeah. And in the people we encountered, it's just one of those things where you, like, these are like the most beautiful, like amazing people of the world. And they're saying... Can't wait to see you back. Yes. And we're like saying bye, and like you know that, and we end. know that that's not the case. So we're like, yeah. you know, moving forward, we still have about six months left of this tour, and we we're like, you know what? So the next day we we're in Bangkok, and we we're like, let's just announce this. It makes yeah. it, it, we we were skeptical about having this like long and drawn out like goodbye extended thing. goodbye tour. But, but the fact of the matter is, like, Half Heart was a band that you know. For the most part, I think that like when we met the people that were taking care of us, we, we got to know them. And however short lived, uh, temporary, like I think that like you know we we developed some type of relative kinship with not everybody, uh, but like you know we had relationships with a lot of people because a lot of people that we were helping us out towards the end had been helping us out from like the get go. So we didn't want to have this kind of like weird blase like you know fake like goodbye yeah and then see you next time right and it yeah. made things a little bit more meaningful so did, I mean, did you at all experience i know you know the bane guys yeah. i asked them how they were doing on that last tour and they were really honest they said it's emotionally draining as hell because people every night is someone's last night with you so oh we watched that it can mm-hmm. feel like a funeral where people are coming up to you giving not quite their condolences, but maybe dumping a lot on you about their life and their experience with you. And as beautiful as experience as that is to have somebody come up to you and say, Hey, you changed my life. Hey, you had this impact on me night to night. It can take it out of you. You know what I mean? It can really be asking a lot of you. Yeah. I wrote pretty openly and personally about a lot of things that might like for, especially for, you know, adolescents can really mean a whole lot. Um, and uh, I was always worried that maybe, like, I wouldn't come off as, like, you know, sincere uh, in terms of, like, hearing what they have to say. And, uh, you know, it, 
the thing, yeah, those things are they're super nice and they're, like they're super fulfilling on my end. But like the my expression of how fulfilling they are, they like it's really tough. You know, the I remember the first time someone like really opened up to me, and I was like, I think I like it was like a, a pure empathic moment where I was like basically like sharing their, like you know, expressing yeah. their pain through my eyes, and then, uh, you know, over time, you know, the the. The human condition is is interesting. Uh, things dull. And, things can be calloused. Yeah, and uh, and not, I I think I developed somewhat of like a, what a surgeon's remove. I think they call it, you know, or whatever it is. Uh, and that always kind of bothered me because I remember going up to Aaron Bedard and, and like kind of opening up to him when I was a kid and like and you know he, I remember he like held my hand. He was like, "Thank you so much." And like I remember like being like, "Wow!" Like that guy like really appreciated this like n- loser fifteen year old. I came kids. up and said my thing, and he listened to me. Yeah, and yeah. He, he felt me, and, and 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 that was meaningful. And then, and then I like had to move on, and and like and I found myself in position like with kids saying similar things to me, and it, it always kind of bothered me. Like I might they might come off, I, I might come off as like, you know, thanks, I don't care. <laughs> But so, uh, I, I think this is straight up why I'm prickly on the internet to avoid this. Because, yeah, sure. Because when oh, people, you don't know what to do when somebody says this to you. Straight up, the last person that was like, "Hey, I was going through a really hard time, and it, I honestly think that this helped save my life." I went cowabunga. You know what I mean? Because <laughs> I have no idea what the well, fuck to my, say to it's that. It's my yeah. Chris Claremont story. The dude who wrote the Uncanny X Men, and this is a dude who literally shaped my ideas and things that I read, and like, I spent so many hours with this person's words. And I got the chance to meet him, and I go up, and I'm like, hey, you know, uh, mm-hmm. I want to thank you. You you helped teach me how to read, and uh, your work meant a lot to me. I kept it brief, because I know this isn't... And he just said, thanks. Right. <laughs> and then kind of like the like... And, right. and, and, and I, I, I walked away from it, and I didn't think he was cold, and I didn't think he was rude. And I, because of, thankfully, I was an adult. Had I been a child, I might have been like, hmm... Like fucking Eeyore about it, but yeah. but I acknowledge. I was like, yeah. What do you say to that? What mm-hmm. do you say when you say because when a stranger has an impact on your life, that's more about you and your experience with it, and you should be very happy. And I don't dismiss anyone wanting to express that appreciation. Please do. Oh no, but I, but don't but know that that's that's for you, not necessarily for yeah. them. That's nice that you're expressing it to them, and maybe they can take it however they want. But don't don't put that on them. I give a at this point in my life I give a very sincere look in the eye and go thank you for saying that that's that's very yeah nice. and, <laughs> and you, you you advance past cowbunga I just but it's just it's hard give him a shaka bro <laughs> you know what uh, certain types of emotional now we're gonna get heavy on me uh, you're off the couch all right Pat Flynn you are no longer on the I'm gonna sit on the therapist couch okay um, for whatever reason certain types of emotion are a struggle for me to process. Oh, do tell. <laughs> and and that and that one is It's your father's fault. That, yeah, that one is a struggle. <laughs> the community uh, bullshit. The, the the other day somebody was expressing that they cried and I and I I, I snarled and I said He's a grown man. <laughs> Tell him to never say that oh. to me. And, and, and people. So he just inverted that battery record for us <laughs> out here. Well, people really took me to task. They were like, you know, a grown man can cry. And I was like, do they? And I, uh, <laughs> Cowabunga. I was like, I don't know shit about it. 
So certain emotions. You know what's funny is like you write music that is like very emotionally driven. I have like one of the things that drew me to your music was like just how utterly like like I, I like some of the lyrics. What I think it, it's, it's I think it's too emotional for him. He can't go back to it. Yeah, it's too weird. I I I don't know exactly. That could be. I I, I don't know exactly. But there's but a, I, well, a I, song that I've always. I think I actually did pick your brain about this. Yeah, but, but you do this thing to me. Are, are you, you going to talk about Audrey Kishlin? No, what are you talking about? He, I know what you're going to do. No. I sense it. Well, do it. Pull it, it out. There's a song. It's not. It's like super. Like you're. It's pretty spoken word. It's an end of year song, and it. Oh, fuck. It, to me, I remember, I think I texted you years ago about it. I was like. What is up with this song, man? This reminds me of like my job when I was like stocking shelves <laughs> at a gro- at an IGA grocery mart. Did I respond with Calabunga? Yeah. <laughs> no, you didn't. That, that was I the think one. Respond- it wasn't that one. Like the lyrics are like, "I put you before myself." Oh yeah, that's a pretty song. I, uh, Wal- uh, uh, Walter um, Walter M. Uh, something Walter something Walter something. Whatever it is, like that. I remember, like I was like, this is like. A- this is like a real. This these lyrics are incredibly, profoundly, like emotionally advanced, in my opinion. Like you were writing about things, what in my in my interpretation of it was like an observation of what it means to be a, a truly commonplace person. And I think that you were able to express lyrically, like you know the like the the hardness of just being commonplace. Now I could be totally like. I like my interpretation. I actually don't want to know what yeah, the no, actual sure. lyrical sentiment uh, let's, of it let's, was. Well, you you do a good job of giving starkness and uh, and the common people. There's a good chance that that may have been one he worked on, or he just wrote it in the studio. Yeah. Uh, oh, I'm, yeah. almost certainly I wrote it in the studio, but uh, but you have like what I'm trying to say is like I like I, I am in no way, shape, or form shunning uh, a coldness of like you know emotion. I think that that is to be totally respected from by people, and I don't think everyone should be walking around bawling their eyes out. Uh, I, I have a date. I have a date. I won't tell you what it is, but I'm mm-hmm. going to cry for the first time since I was 12. I'm I'm going I'm going to cry. The half heart reunion. No. The half heart <laughs> <laughs> on July sixth. This is I it. Know everybody it. be there. Uh, and I look. Nobody nobody beat me up to see me cry before this. I I just I have a date. Is it going to be the fever three 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 style where we're going to have a sheet on the stage? Yes. You standing bag over your head. There'll you definitely the be a bag, bag over my head. Pull the bag and it's just waterworks. Well, here's the thing. Here's my plan. Mm-hmm. So I have resigned or not resigned i have um sworn that i'm not going to cry about anything having to do with myself so i i have a thing that i am i'm very excited for someone else and when it happens i would like to have a moment where i cry for the first time in however many decades mm-hmm. now <laughs> decades <laughs> did you cry, the dog no, I held it together really? when Marcus the wow, dog died. Marcus, I st- if I think Good about God it, my eyes Marcus. water up. I get, I get very emotional. Did you ever meet Marcus the dog? I, get, I didn't. I get very emotional, dog. but I keep it together, and I can suck wetness You're back into it. my yeah, eyes. Right. But anyway, point is, <laughs> when that happens, I'm gonna cry, uh-huh. and then I have a theory that I'm gonna become Italian, 
and I'm going to cry for every motherfucking thing. Oh, I'm your gonna, wet works are open. Okay. Yeah, yeah. You're open to the faucets. After that, it's going to be like, oh my God, the Yankees won. Uh, it's, 31. Yeah, the, the Yan- <laughs> They've won a few more extras in between. <laughs> the, Yan- the Yankees won fucking three weeks into the season. Oh. <laughs> like, start crying. So th- that's my theory is that, uh, that uh, okay. perhaps I've been stepping on an emotion for a while and once I let it out, it'll just be all over. You know what I mean? Like I'll, I'll go to the museum and I'll I'll be like, how ah. does this track with human experience to you? Uh, not not so much, right? Uh, well, in terms of like you know willingness to like be an, an outwardly emotional human being, uh, <laughs> just in general. Uh, you know, I'm like I've always kind of worried, not worried, not worried, but like I, I promote vulnerability, but to an sure. extent, with, with you people. barely like to be touched. I I I'm not a big fan of that. Yeah. Um but uh you know like uh so is it kind or unkind that when you were like I don't like being touched and I was like, "Oh man, I hug this dude every time I see no, him." No, I'm not opposed to it at all. Nothing happened to me like No, I know, I know, know I know. Like I but just I was uh, like, oh, like I, you know what it is? I, my my father was a lieutenant colonel in the army and he had mm-hmm. this like this like soldiery West Point, they're not big Lieutenant on hugging. Colonel uh, vibe to him, where yeah. you know to this day, like you know, like I'll shake people's hands and they're like, "What the fuck is this?" And I'm like, "You call hey, your close you? friends, sir." Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like I'm shaking, like my my. This ben- is a yeah. It's a, it's a this is a, a, a kindness. This yeah, is my, a my my best friend Ryan's girlfriend. I yeah. shake her hand. Yeah, I'd be at like a like a wedding and I go up to the bride and shake her hand. You know, like it's yeah. just and it's I'm not opposed to it, no. but. You know, uh, when 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 the waterworks happen, it, it they fucking happen unknowingly. I the last time I had it fucking out yeah. was I went to see um, at the Museum of Fine Arts in Boston. There was a screening of uh, Nick Cave's Skeleton Tree. That'll get you. Uh, yeah. I hadn't heard the record. I'd only heard uh, Jesus Alone. And man, oh, I knew the story. I knew I knew his kid had died. Yeah. And I went with my friend Dan, and uh, he started playing "I Need You." And, you know, you can see the cameras going around and you see like the, it looks like the drummer is like crying and like, my God, I was like, I was in a, this was only like two or three years ago, but like I had spent some time after my father passed and all the other shit in my life, like really just walking around, just like, you know, I would, you would find me with my head on like, you know, my, my driving wheel just at a red light. Yeah, it's all going. <laughs> it was bad. Yeah, it and happens, so, yeah. Like, I had to, what what was important for me was I had to, like, gain a sense of control over yes. the con- the situation in my life, which is loops back to, like, what I say to kids now. But, like, once I found that, I found myself more in control. And I'm not trying to say if you're crying all the time, you're out of control, but, like... Um, I'll say that. <laughs> no, but you could be. You're not not like, that you... If you are, you... you doesn't mean you definitely are, but if you are crying all the time, you might be out of control. I think if yeah. you cry in a supermarket, you need, you you have to you have to get help immediately. But what if what if the the produce is bad? I mean, look, I've I've had emotional. You already put it in a bag. Yo, know, lady a at plastic Whole, bag. lady at Whole Foods today came mm-hmm. up to me and said, "Hey," and I had my headphones on. I took them off, and she said, "Can I ask you a question?" And I said, "Yes, you may." And she said, "Thank you." And there was very this very stunted conversation, and then she goes. Can you teach me how to use the microwave? And I said, I can. Okay. By the way, this is a microwave in a public yes. oh, right. dining okay. sphere. Right. So right. it is, it's literally a dial that you just yep. set Turn. to the minute. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
And she said, I struggle with it. And I said, it happens. I can, yeah, I'll help you. And she said, not now, just in the future. <laughs> I said, okay. <laughs> just, okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah, let me commit. Uh, we'll okay, meet up here. We'll yeah, meet, at a time after now. Yeah, we'll yeah. meet up here in a few weeks. Yeah. So, uh, so the crying. So what I, what I promote, yes. you know, when I meet with kids who might have something really nice to say, like a fiddlehead show or something sure. like that. And in fiddle, the shit I'm writing about on the fiddlehead record is like just just a straight up outpouring of like some pretty yeah. hard, like really heavy emotion. Uh, so kid, kids have said some really incredible, in, incredible things about their own personal catharsis. But my, my move is to really put it back on them and say like, Hey, whatever catharsis you've had, it's because you've yes. decided to have that. That's right. And none of this, like you could find this catharsis anywhere in, in some, in a woman, Asking for help to turn a microwave knob. Or on the Blink-182 uh, Dude Ranch album. <laughs> you might struggle on the Dude Ranch record to find some <laughs> emotional catharsis about a heavy moment in your life. But you like know. to me, what I think is important for young people to hear and just people in general is that uh, at the end of the day, like y- y- you're in control. And that no matter what the words are being hurled at you, no matter what history has to say like about like your your past your ancestors passed like you have like you're in the now and you're calling the shots moving forward so what i try to promote just meeting someone is just you know say like hey appreciate that but you're you're the owner of your emotional progress here i got nothing to do with it outside of the fact that maybe i made it easier to think about something that was important to you but you decided to think about that and to go there in your own mind so realize that as you move forward yeah it's a point of strength as opposed to like because I, I I grew up like leaning on music for like you know like I need this to like help me move forward and then what I found that when like real tragedy struck in my life that no fucking Ray Carver poem or any fucking 108 song was going to get me across the 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 river of like heartache that I was trying to get past and like it wasn't until like I realized like. Oh, I, I'm calling the emotional shots here, and like I'm like if I want if I'm gonna lash out at the people that I love, that's because like I decided to, and if I'm gonna be broken down at a red light, uh, that's because I have allowed myself. Now I'm not trying to dismiss like the environmental external causes that bring that make it easier to feel some sort of pain, but I just in our current moment in our world, I think it's important under, people understand that like. They're the author of their own actions. Uh, yes. Emotional yeah. agency is a thing that oh people don't want to cop to at all because it ta- it puts the owingness on the individual, the obviously. Yeah. But uh, it is highly liberating to understand oh, totally. th- that you are, like you said, you are the author of either your, like, yeah. I've talked about the, we, we I've, talked about this I've talked about Landmark. Have we all talked about Landmark? I, I think no. I'm talking. It's a success cult. I, oh yes, 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 success yes, yes. cult. Yeah, that sounds healthy. They, yes. they, I mean, they it might is. they might sue me for saying that, but that's what it is. It's success cult incorporated. Yes, uh, it's a, it's a Hollywood success cult, right? So, are you familiar with these ideas? There's a bu- there's a number of them. No. Imagine Scientology <laughs> with no religious element whatsoever. So uh, I, I'd, yeah, I'd rather not like, imagine. That, honestly, but. like uh, the power of positive speaking. Okay. Know, you know. All right. All right. So they. They, they're they sort of advocates for like an intense type of compartmentalization uh, that I personally love 
uh, and helps me every day in my life, but sounds so cold. And it sounds colder than me not crying since I was 12. Mm -hmm. I'm going to give the abridged version that doesn't touch on topics that might be sensitive to people, right? Mm -hmm. You're sitting in a room with a bunch of people. The guy giving the the talk says, uh, what's holding you back? Why don't you have the shit you want to have? And it's, you feel it's incumbent upon you. You say, well, um, if I had to guess, I think it's got a lot to do with my father. Um, if we're, I don't think I've ever moved past the fact that he just left my family. And then the guy says, what happened? And he goes, well, my father started having an affair. Oh, so your father started fucking some other woman and your life is a piece of shit for that? Yeah, well, it, like heavy berating, heavy, heavy on the, <laughs> heavy on the. All right, you can take you can take that emotion that you have. They call it your na- your narrative mm-hmm. or your and story. And that's the first. That's the first day. Your first session. Yes, you do, yes, yeah. yeah, I, yeah. I, I did a dive on this like a couple weeks ago. Mm-hmm. It's, so, out, it's it's outrageous. And so I actually, <laughs> mm-hmm. again, I love this shit, but it's not for everybody. And I don't. I would never attend a success cult to save my fucking life. I don't need success that no, way. I but, see the. I see the I see the value it, in that. The idea is that you create a story for others that isn't yes. necessarily your... It, it has little to do with the reality of the situation. The reality of the situation yes. is that your dad left to go be with another woman in a town 40 miles mm-hmm. away. The idea that that should in some way prevent you from having things in life is on its face totally fucking absurd. And, yeah. when, and when you... That's when, a weird logic. And when sure. you right, but it's something that people feel. People feel totally, like totally. I I felt that. You right. Know? And I, I could see how I mean I'm I'm coming from you know, the straight white man's perspective here. So I try to like, you know, remember like <laughs> other people got it a different way. Yo, yes. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh so, you know, keeping all of that in mind, like, you know, when I'm saying like you're in control of your emotions, it shouldn't go without saying that like, you know, somebody that, can be that doesn't mean that I don't that doesn't mean that I don't understand that you're coming from, like, you know, your background, that you, the his, the historical ties to who you are and how you see sure. your identity are worthless, and you can just on a dime, you know, like just be like, oh, I'm I'm the owner of every, like of my emotions here. Like, I don't know that experience, but at the end of the day, you know, you no one's inside your brain well, making you act a certain way. You are free, it's most a, free in that. It sense. is conversation of self. That's something we were talking about earlier today is that the ownership of self and that that might be that might have connotations that might have ties that you have but but being able to feel that should be a positive experience if you can make it that mm-hmm. and it doesn't mm-hmm. mean that it's always a positive one but that you can feel some control in your life and that might mean some really hard decisions. You, you, you want to hear like the next level of this Let's since go. we're getting mad heavy? Okay. I just reflect on what would keep me out of jail if I said it in front of a judge. And straight up, there's nothing... Like if it, do, if it wouldn't keep you out of jail, then maybe you don't need to share it with the entire fucking... Maybe that's not that shouldn't be your story. And what I mean by that is... Like I always refer to that Bill Burr line. Somebody, Howard Stern or somebody asked him, what's your relationship with your father like? And he goes... I'm over 30. What would it matter? Like, it's it's not it. it nobody's going to forgive me for a thing that I do because of a relationship that I have with my father. Mm-hmm. It's so far in the past. Nobody, n- nothing's going to keep. Nothing I can say about my relationship with my father would stand up in court and, and prevent somebody from. Out. And it, 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 there's no plea to cop 
as an adult. Yeah. You know what I mean? And that's what I that so you are on some positive shit. I'm on the inverse <laughs> asshole version of that, which is just no, like, I, hey, what would what would telling the world this yeah. reasonably do for do to better you? you I gotta I mean? take this. Oh, oh you do. Uh, this is my brother who do it is in prison. Yeah. So I do it. Yeah, yeah. But, but you know, staying on the larger topic, uh, the response, like hearing folks, you know, I think a lot of it had to do with getting the snowball rolling even more. Was the Fiddlehead record came out, and it's a banger. Uh, and a lot of kids said some really nice things, and they were always including like how Havart meant something to them. And with the passing of time, I was like, God damn, it's been nine years. And this is really cool that people are still finding things and like they, they, they were always like really young kids who did not see us. And yes, we never expected in any way, shape or form, because what's interesting is one, again, one of the reasons why we broke up was because we were also, you know, we broke up for a thousand reasons. But, you know, one of those thousand reasons was because we were a little cognizant of the writing on the wall so, that like this sound that I would say really really gets going with unbroken this kind of like heavy hard melodic youth crew oriented sound that people would just now call melodic hardcore yep to me that like in my my perception of the history of things is unbroken really is the one to outspoken and unbroken are the ones that really get that going in that direction Turn and, the then, tide. Yes. and then so that's like early 90s and then bane just definitely like zeroes in on that and captures that sound perfectly and then you have the the era of like you know it helps within my eyes having like a really anthony pop those riffs anthony popular was right are weird yes and they are. They're, they're they're taken from the faith and but given this like really like kind of like interesting octave contemporary sound what what people don't tune in with in my eyes or even 10 yard fight because of the aesthetic of both those bands um they're distinctly of the time and like Papillardo definitely is pulling from 80s stuff both late and early for in my eyes mm -hmm. but like if you listen to that 10 yard fight record if you actually listen to the music that's that has more in common with 90s hardcore than oh yeah oh yeah like 2IF like definitely yeah and then and then in my eyes Papillardo speeds it up but when you listen to the the riffs the guitar stuff going on it's not it's not total throwback it has its mm -hmm. own thing going on yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. It definitely has its own sound. It's doing its own thing. Uh, so what I was saying was something along... What, what the hell was I saying? How did I get that? You were going through the melodic hardcore. Oh, yeah. So, uh, you know, that's like 93. It picks up in 95. And in my eyes, really gets going. And Bane continues. And then you have the likes of like, you know, like your, your What Feeds the Fire. Like, you know, like at least regionally speaking. Sure. And... You know, like betrayed, and like you have like faded gray. One of my like, I don't know if you guys ever fucked with Las them, Vegas, but like, yes, in decision La records. Oh, well, like that record to me still fucking holds up. They had, I think, um, less so for me, but it, it was notable at the time, and yeah. it, no one talks about it. Nobody, nobody. Yeah. <laughs> what was the band he did before? Uh, uh, Tomorrow's Gone. Tomorrow's Gone did a seven. Faded gray have a gun right. on the cover. Uh, a let's, lot of records at let's the time find did. out let's in my record my collection in alphabetical order. Good. Uh, let's see. Keep going. All right. Let's see. 
We're, we're it's, this is its own segment. The, we're going through the Pat Flynn <laughs> yeah, record done videos like this. Fury, floor punch, floor punch. Fleetwood Mac okay. fell to low. Yep. Faith. Notice I put faith. The faith void split. You put the, faith. Yeah, yeah, you're a faith man. Big, big Let's say faded gray. Gun. There's a gun. gun. Yes, I knew this record. <laughs> yep. I knew this record. That's a record. Sure. Oh man, but I fucking love this band. Indecision was popping the shit out like a whole lot. Shout and out to like, Dave Mandel. Totally. 2000. Count me out. Took a, like a melodic turn mm-hmm. to that. So, and then like we came onto the scene and we, you know, we were when children. How far starts 2003? Right. Demo 2002. Two. Whoa. I, I count that year because nobody in that band wanted to do that band yes (laughs) like because they didn't know how to play instruments and it was very much so like a side project to and to my this other band action the action taken oh right yes right 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 reference right two singers you and ryan me and ryan you know we got kicked we got kicked out of action taken Ah. and i had just come into contact with that swiss song nine Mm. uh you know and i thought that that was about erroneously thought that that was about sean brown getting kicked out of dag nasty and i was like i had just been kicked out of my band i want to start a venge band i mean i i mean (laughs) actually sean brown that he feels like that is the ultimate venge band swiss yeah yeah well i mean the lyrics are it comes through in the lyrics. That's a full step <laughs> stepping Yo, on the old homies. Venom. Yeah. He's a venomous. I, th- I don't know if you said that, but it, yeah, I, no, I've, I've thought of it. It's He's venomous. Yeah. I mean, so Havart starts as a side project to... Um, as a side project to the action taken because the action taken was going like way overboard into it all comes down to this style melodic yep. stuff, which was like... Which, which to me was cool, but I was like, this is too intense and it sounds a little too metal for my liking. So Half Art was originally just like this kind of like uh, Youth of Today, like a band that would just have like a YOT sound. But that summer I had just saw Stay Gold, which I don't know if you guys fuck with, but like they had a couple seven inches out on Indecision. Yep. There yep. it is again. And the LP came out summer 2002. Yep. And I was like, oh man. And it, listen- do you get this down is, with them? This is a band that nobody, nobody talks about, but well, was no, a, you, in the Northwest. There might be some people. There still. might be. Yeah, that's true. But but that record was a big fucking deal to a lot of kids. Yes, Pills and Advice. Yes, totally. A big fucking deal. This should do a whole episode on that fucking record. That record is like lyrically, musically, it's so advanced, and to me, it still holds up. But I saw them in the summer two thousand two. And they were playing some songs off the LP. I just had the seven inches, and I was like, "Man, if I could do a band that someday captures this, like they covered Thursday by Turning Point, yep. and if I could do a band that could somehow get to that level of musicianship, I would be just as happy as ever." And that was, and then like two days later, that, that first have our practice, but no one could play their instruments with the exception <laughs> of Eric St. Jakes, who was the original guitarist, and. You know, they all had their other bands. It was a side project band. And then I got kicked out. And then I was like turbo, like making people get in the band. So like by 2003, you know, um, it was like a full thing. But we all still sucked. But anyway, um, point being is that like melodic hardcore was so big for us. But we also knew the like the, the limits of it and how it could like... You know, too much of it is it was was a little overboard. So we know how to like mm-hmm. reel it in. Um, that that era started to get 
really sloppy mm-hmm. with the with mm-hmm. the melodic influences where there were certain acts that did not know how to handle there's them. no oh. brake pedal yeah a lot of bands just didn't know how to like reel it in there was a weird because i think there was just the weird there was the an stuff that was happening that mm-hmm. was different than that but the the stay golds of the world weren't response but definitely a, an alternate to that yeah and I, I think that's a good way to put it. There was just, there wasn't a, there wasn't a linchpin or a, like a, a like a, a torchbearer to, to say, hey, no, just this is let us lie, let us lead this whole group of bands that are doing a thing. Yeah, I also think that once we get into terms like melodic hardcore, there's always somebody at the fringe of that who believes there's gold in them their hills yeah and 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 you can watch decent or good bands get an idea in their stupid fucking heads that another pinch of mal (laughs) a a little a little bit more of this Mm -hmm. pleasantness maybe more people come to the shows maybe and maybe we could open for saves the day that's and you ended up with a lot of fucking shit Oh, overhammed perversions is what I call wow. a lot of bands who misinterpreted like, hey, we're we're coming at this from a dag nasty, rights of spring, embrace approach like that meets like you know the heaviness of like Judge or something like that, and then the, like people might interpret, fuck, like like they, they just interpret like the present day interpretation of it, and so it gets you get to overhand overhand perversions I, just, I, I, I like this the name of uh, a book I'm writing it's an upset uh, it's an upsetting <laughs> turn of phrase but I like it yeah but um, so you know like you know us and and, 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 and verse were, were doing it together we we're sharing drummers and uh, but what also was around that sound that was just uh, getting going was like what No Warning had done which I always kind of called like sub- suburban madball uh-huh. uh, and so you have guns up so that's mm-hmm. a new sound that no warning set in motion. Yes, and it's it's parallel. I think with with half art verse and guns up, it was we worked like you know my best friend was in was in guns up. Yeah, uh, Sean bombs respect, um, and we kind of like made those hands hold. Uh, I I thought, and it was it was it was the best of both worlds because prior to that, like those sounds didn't really mesh well. But like you know the, the half art and guns up, we were. We were boys, and like our and scenes your first came big together. tours together, right? You know? Yeah, yeah, and then in verse as well, oh, and yeah. uh, you know I, that was that was cool. And, but as as time moved on, uh, the the no warning sound, the more harder sound started to to really catch in the way that like probably circa you know you start with like outspoken and unbroken in '93, getting the melodic heavy sound starting to catch in 95 96 uh-huh. so around like 2000 and i want to say seven it, it's really starting to catch and then trapped in rice comes out and you know that that very much so changed the game yes, and it did. you know like we, we were all like friends and stuff like that so we did we did some shows with them but you know we did just as they were breaking we did that east coast tour with them and polar bear club and like we were like, oh man, this is like this is the sound where kids are really getting into, and in no way were we like, oh, phew, we're it. fucked. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, 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 yeah. But like we were like reading the writing on the wall, saying like, you know, this is this is the evolution of things. So you've heard our conversations on this. That that the theory we've posited is that what happened, whatever happened to melodic hardcore, 
mm. is that Trapped Under Ice. Hello out there. Yes, hello out there, everyone. I'm Hal Schwartz. And I'm Flynn McClain. Together we host None But the Brave, a podcast dedicated to the music and career of Bruce Springsteen. Bruce and E Street Band are on tour right now for the first time in six years, and we're taking a detailed look at what's happening on stage in our bi-weekly episodes. We've also been recently joined by some very exciting guests, including rock journalist Warren Zanes and Stephen Hyden, Backstreet's Magazine founder Charles Cross, and Barstool's Kirk Menahan. If you're a diehard Springsteen fan, this is the show for you. So please subscribe to Nimba the Brave on your favorite podcasting platform, and we hope to see you further on up the road. Thank you so much! We'll be seeing you! This is Krista Makes, guitarist and vocalist for Less Than Jake, and host of Krista Makes a Podcast, a songwriting podcast where every week I'm joined by an amazing guest to break down the writing, recording, and release of one iconic song from their career. In our giant, evergreen back catalog of episodes, we've had rock legends such as Dee Snyder and Huey Lewis, punk rock favorites like Mark Hoppus, Fat Mike, and Brett Gurowitz, and up-and-coming artists of today such as Liz Stokes of The Beths and Genesis Owusu. We've had guests from all genres and styles of music, and I guarantee that if you peruse our back catalog, you'll see several episodes that'll make you say, man, I gotta hear that. Whether you're a fan of music or a creator of music yourself, you'll take away a whole new appreciation for the songs you know and love. Chris Makes a Podcast is available for free on all the places you could possibly listen to podcasts, and new episodes come out every Monday. One Hit Thunder is a podcast where we both celebrate and have a good laugh about bands and artists that had just one hit that we all know. Each week, we're joined by a guest from the world of music or comedy to learn more than you ever thought you would about some songs that you can't forget, and we decide if they brought the One Hit Thunder or nothing more than a One Hit Blunder. Look, if you listen to the show, you're probably going to laugh, and I guarantee you're going to crush next time the bar has music trivia. Tag Team, Jane Child, Meredith Brooks, Looking Glass, Sean Mullins, Eiffel 65, EMF, Crash Test Dummies, Crazy Town, Chumbawamba. We have hundreds of episodes in our back catalog and a new episode each week. So pass the duchy, make sure you're connected, and subscribe to One Hit Thunder wherever you get your pods. Not, not... Not by intent, not like yo, we're gonna squash this. But hit it with a blackjack and threw it in a dumpster. But, but the but the boot came down. Not again. Those are dudes. If you track them back, they have diverse musical tastes. Oh yeah, Nick Justice Fury was in Nick X Fury. Yeah, uh, they're people who were glad to go on tour with Half Heart, uh, but because their impact, uh, appeal, and just overall vibe was so immediate and powerful it felt like it went from oh there's a a a kind of mix to being oh trapped under ice just overshadowed a lot of things and things that were on the more melodic tip kind of like wilted into a direction and and then what i say is they they either went run for cover Mm -hmm. title fight ish sound or they went touche amore kind of like screamo ish yeah kind of splintered off there yeah that's that's cool now here's what i think (laughs) I, i Here's what I think what really happened was that um so that like suburban mad ball uh-huh. sound in my personal opinion. Uh and that's not a slight in not any way, shape, or form. No, yeah, we can we worry. can talk about the shit yeah. claim. We, we, we're yeah. nuanced. We're nuanced there. We're good. Um I think that what happened was for a long time, in the same way that Freddie's lyrics really resonated with people from his experience, uh 
for a long time i don't i could be wrong like you know crown of thorns and like that that style is not really my my corner um but i think justice's lyrics which on that seven inch are profoundly like personal spirited you can't hurt me anymore (laughs) like that is a powerful line i saw people reacting to that with like right away. a fiery emotion with such rage. And so I think that like what seemed to me is that like that was the best pairing of that sound uh, and, and lyrics that I that really made that happened. sound Absolutely. connect with so many people in the same way that like the sound and the lyrics of like, you know, like something like, you know, both guns blazing from Bane, like really connected with people and it clicked and it made for a moment and and perhaps like what was happening in the more in the melodic genre was that um the sound and the lyrical connection wasn't really there well and uh, i, th- I look, and it, it, it also, split it off yeah, yeah i think it's split it off it's not like there it's not it doesn't have to be a this or that it just is that when one thing gets uh you know area denial it 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 sucked up so much space and attention, like and people saturation. were like, That's what we want to do. "Yeah," and it's it it's goes, not that other people weren't. You know, it's not as if Tuche Amore was a small band. It's not as if Title Fight was having a hard time finding a space for their version of melodic stuff. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. Um, it's just that the the melodic hardcore that was stuff like Half Heart, stuff like Verse, stuff like uh, Betrayed, stuff like Sinking Ships, stuff like you know a. a a melodic type of thing and stuff a lot of that stuff from the northwest mm-hmm. it went away and there was no lo- go it alone stuff that wasn't a logical successor in that moment you know what i mean i i also mm-hmm. just more more you're correct but more broadly speaking i think that due in part to just new people coming in yeah. but, but also also old people i honestly just think that not in a negative way this is a thing that maybe i would think is negative 10 years ago but now I just can just see as part of a continuum that it can be exciting. People are literally always just excited that for yes. a new thing. Mm-hmm. It, now it, it's, it has I, to hit at the right time when yeah. people are s- s- becoming tired of the thing that was going on. Yes. Right. But they, people are excited. Like, look, we talk about SoundCloud rap and all that shit. People are excited about it, right? Like, there's going to come a moment where people are excited for what literally whatever, whatever is the, to come yeah yep. and and, and it's it's kind of just the nature of the thing so have heart like you say seeing the writing on the wall look you talk so honestly and openly about this shit i don't think that i don't think anybody i don't think you owe an explanation to anybody but i also don't think that you need to be like the uh the brett michaels of the, like like where he where, where he <laughs> i want to be the brett michaels of everything <laughs> yeah uh, you slowly but surely was it brett michaels that said that w- they went to the record label uh, headquarters and saw that their their photograph was no longer on the wall and now it was Nirvana and they were like oh yes <laughs> I'm pretty sure oh so but but I don't think you even need to like part of your uh, identity within the subculture is the fact that you are magnanimous and even excited to let the next person take the ball yeah, it's fucking interesting. Yeah, <laughs> exactly, exactly right. And I mean, this is something that we vibe on all the time. I think Patrick does too. Is the like the history of hardcore and like kind of trying to spell it out and and the narrative and seeing these things and talking about it. And sometimes that's really obvious and clear. And sometimes it's more like up for interpretation. Well, 
Shout out to your man Bjorn, right? Yeah. Uh, so, so Bjorn so, Rise and Fall. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. It's a chain so, reaction. Ran into him the other day because, as you pointed out, I'm a world traveler. And, yeah, globe trotter. Cosmopolitan. World be free. And uh, it wasn't such a private conversation. I don't think we could talk about it. I'm just going to say we had an interesting conversation about the fact that you have no control over how you'll be remembered. Yes. You have zero, there's nothing, no matter how, what machinations you're doing behind the scenes to try to shape people's perception of you, once you're gone, there is no navigating that. It is, it, it is what happens. It's just what happens. And the people that are most healthy-minded in subculture are people who realize that and are kind of excited for it to go any which way. You know what I mean? Oh, I'm in obscurity? Kind of interesting. Oh, I'm people love me this Mm -hmm. three-year period? Like, they're talking about my record from 10 years ago? Oh, cool. Okay, cool. I'll take that. Right. And I think that, uh, uh, Pat, in all the time that I've known you, that is a thing that you, that's a thing that resonates off of you, which is just a a sort of, any way the wind blows on, on my legacy doesn't really matter there's like nobody is nobody sending you checks for your memory you know nope. what I mean? <laughs> so so it kind of i wish they would yeah it kind of only matters we'll have the p.o box after this yeah it, it only it kind of honestly only matters in the respect that oh look that culture gave me a lot it's going to change and be unrecognizable to me at some point but i'm happy to have given it something in whatever small capacity i could have too you know what i mean yeah. and, and i think that that's like when you talk to people that are well-adjusted, you know, look, let's just be frank. There's a lot of people in hardcore that maybe maybe don't have a ton going on in their personal lives uh, or are in a period where that's a little fallow. Uh-huh. And, and so they got to, you know, everything about how they're perceived is incredibly important to them. Uh, even if they were in a band 20 years ago that was a footnote, it's important to them that that footnote remains in the footnote. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> but uh, the the people that are happiest, it seems, with their the contribution are the people that know. There's only so much you could do about the way people see you. Yeah, and I, you know, I've been I'm a student of history, so mm-hmm. like, <laughs> like some asshole is gonna write their history book. Yes, and it might not even be an actual history book. It might just be a memory book. Yep, <laughs> and by that I mean like actually like. You know, real history requires like archival primary source research analysis. Mm. Yeah, oral memories are different. Yes, uh, <laughs> uh, we're not going to say we're taking a shot at, but uh, but but the, the, the uh, You're saying that's true. The, but, would you buy a memory book or would you buy a history book? <laughs> well, like one sells, one doesn't. <laughs> right, correct, correct. Uh, uh, and I and I actually I enjoy those books for what they are, which is totally I do too. J- just a a fun thing to read once, put on your shelf. Yeah. Uh, but but or to argue about with your with your friends, where you go, no, he definitely said that he was that that last yes. record. He knew that last record sucked when he wrote it. You yes. know what I mean? Like like, like that. That's fun. Yeah, it, that like, but American Hardcore, Stephen Blush's book. You know, like I don't get me wrong. When I was fourteen, when like that book came out, I was like, "Holy fucking shit!" John Brandon is alive. I thought he was dead. Yeah, like that. That information wasn't available. I think he might have thought he was for like ten years. But the funny putting that perspective of like uh, because that was what two thousand one. Yeah, maybe came out right. Yeah, it's uh, the difference in amount of information that's just at your fingertips now. Totally, Uh, hardcore. That became a like new source, and I was pretty well versed in a lot of it. But I remember. 
it coming out and it being something that me and all my friends got and we're like, okay, pour over this. And oh, yeah, like, for sure. Like, re- return with notes. <laughs> yeah. Deal. Like, so, like, I don't know. Point is, is, like, I like it would be amazing if, like, a professional historian who was willing to do the hard fucking work of going to, like, to whatever non-existent archives there mm. are. You want the Ken to, Burns of hardcore? To, yeah, truly, but, like, well, no. They're Ken in, Burns, Ken Burns is kind of putting it together, but, like, Arlington, we can go. Burns a hack? This motherfucker's too intense for me. He's getting heavy. Spending hours of, like, going on, like, like, whatever you could do to find not just the band's perspective, but to, like, make historical arguments. You want eight eight flashlights on, on a subject to form a shape. Yeah, there you go. You get the people's perspective, which would be on, like, message boards, but you'd have to go through so much boring shit to, to yes. even get to the point of, like, getting to some type of argument of actually how things were. Mm-hmm. And then it's still, at the end of the day, the problem with history is that it's still some assholes you have argument. Narrative. You, it's their narrative. And it's you, their, at the end of the day, you selected your primary sources and yes. chose to trust one of them over the totally. other. Totally. But at, at best, in that situation, <laughs> it's a product of analysis and and, and, and and real, real like putting the pieces together and you can say, you know what, this person's really trying to be objective. But the likelihood of that happening is not going to happen. What is probably going to happen some dickhead's just gonna get like you know some assholes, uh, piece of shit perspective from other some other asshole, I hope and they're gonna say this is how it was, and then the next fifteen year old kid is gonna be like, oh wow, this band totally sucked, or like some yeah. asshole's gonna like, you know like uh, I remember he listened to some episode and Tom was like, oh they didn't even mention indecision, yeah, fuck that indecision was fucking huge, and, and like this person decided to like omit that that that's just how that shit goes in like oral histories i know they're gonna ask i know he's getting so heated they're gonna ask somebody with a personal grievance against me i know it but (laughs) but, uh pat this is a only vaguely related topic that i've been in reflection on for a week as i drove through europe and listened to podcasts world Uh, traveler huh uh yeah you might have heard that i travel a bit Uh, were there any celebrities with you did you uh, see any celebrities just bjorn uh shout out bjorn a favorite did uh Rise and fall forever. Do you do you think uh, that two multi part question? Do you find his Do you find history relaxing or do you find it stressful? Oh, both. Ooh. Okay, simultaneously, and that's not a dodge. Uh, like, I'm a history teacher, so I'm clearly going to have some like huge fucking bias here. But, uh, um. You know, that's the, I think that is like the actual nature of history in general is that like, if you're actually doing it right, you're not sitting there being like, oh, this is how it was. Yeah. Uh, you're going, whoa, this, this might, you're always saying this might have been how it was. Right. Yes. And I'm interested to see what else comes out. But most people, that's what you would call a historical thinker. Most people aren't. Most people are memory thinkers. Yeah. And history and memory, they're, they're like step siblings. This is uh, mm-hmm. a story in Tony Judd described it masterfully. They're like step siblings. Like memory is like cool and like you want to hang out with it. And it's like, it's like, it's like, you know, let's just give in. Let's just do it. Let's just like, let's just hang out. Let's just sort of see things as they are. Come party with me. Whereas, whereas like history, (laughs) history is like this old asshole who's just thinking, wait, hold on, slow it down. We gotta. We can't come to a judgment just yet. Maybe never at all. Can't go out tonight because nothing I just fun don't about think. that. Yeah. Like, and unless unless you are 
a curious human being. Right. And, and, and for me, like, I think that that has helped me, uh, especially with the band and like, I mean, like, you know, whatever, who gives a shit? I'm, it's out of my control. And yep. I, like, mm-hmm. whatever, you know, I'm not surprised that Bjorn is, is possessed with such wisdom, but like, you know, that, that's, I, don't get me wrong. I am not saying that I did not, at the height of have heart, like have these like legacy identity problems. I, it got to a point where I was like, I'm not happy with this. And mm. this is supposed to be a source of joy for me. And, and then you just let it go and, 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 and hope for the best and not even hope for anything. You just sort of yeah. like, just watch it. Uh, <laughs> so like, you know, that, you know, we read the writing on the wall and that, that kind of explained that, but like, you know, like getting back to like the, why, you know, why we're playing these shows, the kids would come out to us and they'd say these really nice things at these, at these shows. And I'd be like, wow, it's been like, it's been like nine years. That's got to count for something. And, and then I, I thought back to the, 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 the first judge reunion mm. and man, like me and my, my, my roommate at the time, Gil Safan, free spirit, big contest, ammunition, fame and zeal as well. Double he, shout out this episode. What up, Gil? Yo, hold on. I got to address this. All right. When we got Sam on, Sam mm-hmm. loves to big up Gil too, right? Gil's his best you know, friend. Gil, Gil's a huge fan of, of year and self-defense family. Okay, well, maybe not, after, maybe not after this. Every time Gil comes up, mm-hmm. people go, free spirit. Free spirit put out, what, a seven inch? <laughs> Holy shit. Why are we still talking about free spirit? Mm. It's the same thing with like it's side fun. by side. They had like an. No, there, stop, there. stop. Man. No, no, hold on, hold What's on. What's up, memory? What's up, memory <laughs> thinker? Hold on. I was there. I was there. Let's go party. I was there. It's not the same I, thing as side by side. Stop my, it. I'm not saying the same thing, but here's the deal. Free Spirit played an interesting role, and okay. I, I love them, and especially in the turning of the tide. So, in the, in the same way that well, like, we also need to talk about your context for stop and think, which is also biased, but we'll, we'll sh- go for it. Sure thing. So, like, <laughs> trapped, trapped in ice down. Uh, carries on but you know uh-huh. what also carries on you know post 2009 is is really like a more traditional sound in the, in the vein of it's a spirit. bubble of a thing that and, never popped you correct in the vein of free spirit in the vein, and like free spirit stick together mob as well, disengage, stick together. Yeah. there was a return to that and but it never quite got over the the the, the barrier but yeah, yes sure. it, it did it did have a large groundswell there of bands that i think will be looked at back on in another few years and said oh those bands were really cool yeah and it'll and, be like oh yeah they were cool they they typically played very small shows and on a very diy level when it was a lot of booking agent bands out there yeah, I, was, I, I should sick. be clear i'm not shitting on gill i'm just yeah. always like shout I, out to gill everybody I'm goes with you gill everybody goes well, gill free spirit I'm like, i still got I'm a like, free what? spirit seven inch talk about the significance of free spirit lies in the fact that I really truly do think that they pivoted hardcore in a direction. And Ooh, what this is a hot take. Well, like the demo is is done so masterfully in terms of its simplicity, but like carrying the energy of like uh-huh. the early bands that weren't all that like musically involved. Mm-hmm. So like, and it was so simple, and the mu- the primary stuff going on at the time was so involved. Yes, it was so fucking involved. Right, that, that's undeniable. That's true. And, and like. And, and this was like a, a a pure return to like basics that was just refreshing, even for me. Like Free Spirit played our second to last show, and, and mm-hmm. you know I, I love the demo, I love the seven. But you're right, like, and I don't mean in any way, shape, or form that they have the same significance as side. <laughs> but in terms of like lifespan, I mean, they definitely. And I way say more that I make that side. clarification not because I feel like you were doing a disservice to side by side, but but that. Uh, it's different doesn't mean it's better or worse. I think that Free Spirit had an interesting 
I don't think they have a large legacy, and I don't think they would argue that they do. Hey, 20 um, years from now, you don't know. Who knows? Yeah, Pat Flynn might argue that they do. Yeah, he's, he's working on the narrative of it. Um, <laughs> Serious. The, yeah, yeah, right? I feel like this, feel this? We are in the spin zone right now. Yeah. <laughs> Watch out. <laughs> yeah, freespiritwars.com. Come to freespiritwars.com, <laughs> and we'll tell you all about But you're not wrong, and that's a little pocket of things that happened mm-hmm. and that I kind of think is interesting because it parallels and I I think it gave a lot of people an entry point in a hardcore that was an alternative to a lot of the bigger bands for better or worse that were going on at that time. It was yeah. decidedly I wouldn't call it the antidote to but it, it was, was decidedly, it was decidedly not Procore. Correct. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was giving where it is at the time it could have been solely Procore if it weren't for bands who were very intentionally going no we're trying to do this other thing, you know, what? and we're trying not to be. Yeah, you know what? Go ahead. Free spirit. I see it. Free spirit changed the game. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in the bag now. I'm in. I'm, in. Hey, I'm, he hold, I'm, hold, I'm holding he water for on. free spirit. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I found out he's an end of year fan. No, all of a sudden, rival shout out to Gil. Rival Mob with that. They, those, they, two of them were coming. So up you're saying time. Free Spirit and Rival Mob had equivalent influence? You want to put that out there? Free Spirit and Rival Mob. Is yeah. That, uh, well, like if you're looking at how things ship, like actually shook out, is that like you know around the same time they're pretty. Rabbit Mob started several years before them. Little bit, little bit in a basement. 2007, like, they were playing shows. I booked them in New Jersey. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. Uh, and then they played Sound of Fury 2009. So that is all the prehistory Rabbit Mob. I think that's yeah, pre Raw Life, really and that's the pre T-shirt era of Rabbit yeah. Mob. Hardcore for Hardcore comes out at 2010 the, or 11. They, yeah, they played the last half hour show, and Hardcore for Hardcore was out. Was and it in 2009? Spirit no, played the second to last one, mm-hmm. 2009. It doesn't come out to 2009. Yeah. Um, but uh, microphone. No, no, no. Oh, He's yeah. saying yeah. So, um, yeah. So that they're they're important. It, like I in the way that like you know you have the splintering off of like title fight and then a splintering off towards the defeater Touche and Mori yep, sound. Yep, yep. And then there's the trapped and race sound. You also have this kind I w- of traditional back and, and I think I think I think the question goes. Where did that splinter from? Because I don't know where it did. And it kind of, that is where, if you wanted to say it was, it's more of a, a ground, uh, uh, a, a, a landmine spring. It, it sprung out of kind of nowhere. It kind of came out. And there was a bunch of bands who, in the hardcore tradition, uh, were reaction to a lot of the other options out there. And yeah, uh, yeah. A, a new scene, if you will. Oh, wow. Well put. You're welcome. Quite poetic. Uh, um <laughs> A lot of good references there. Yeah, uh, we so went you, for it. So nine years passed. Kids are still saying really nice things, and I'm thinking about we, we got this. We, we digressed into Gill, so it all it, it really matters. <laughs> it all me. circles back to Gill. So let me get back on track here. There's a nice references. Uh, well. The war on drugs. DHC. What a fucking so joke. Here's the deal. Uh, Judge announces they're they're playing again, and that's a big fucking deal. When they announce that, holy fuck! Do you like, think an 18 year old right now realizes that 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 was a crazy big deal. I don't think so. Because it's, why would you? Because now you can kind of right. just go see Judge. It'd be like that you know, Red Sox crazy... won the World Series. Yeah, so. That's right. Like, but like, if Good it's... comparison. <laughs> yeah, um, you're not wrong. That's actually, that's too hardcore and this might strike some Yankee fan, Judge fans very wrong. Judge doing a reunion was very much like the Red Sox winning the 04 World Series. Yeah. It was like, we never thought this would happen and it happened and everyone was joyous so, like, breaking shit in the street true so you know when that happened like 
me and Austin, uh, me and Gil were living in Austin together in like this big house with with a bunch of other like you know great people, and me and Gil lived on the same floor. It was a three floor apartment, and we're on the same floor. Your flatmates, and you know we're listening to the Judge record, and you know we decide we're both gonna go, and we're like you know putting it on. We're like that thing's in like a couple weeks, and we were like I was nearing thirty. I was like twenty seven, twenty eight. Uh-huh. You know, it was getting there. Yeah. And holy fuck, I'm in my goddamn yeah, you like mosh, bedroom. You moshed your kids down, yeah. With yeah. my similarly aged like friend, like, yeah. friend to judge in yeah. my room. Like something yeah. I hadn't done since I was in high school. Yeah. And it was so much fun. And I remember like we were just having a blast, man. Like we heard, I think it was Lars or someone wasn't playing bass or something like that. Mm-hmm. And I remember like while moshing, Gil just saying like, man, fuck this. I want to play bass for for fucking judge and it was like in the hot heat of this moment it was like a total nerd out and like we were having a fucking great time and for how miserable life can really fucking be sometimes i wish you could could have seen peflin's face right there (laughs) yeah he went hard like just the shit that life rains down on you you know to have that moment is like Uh, pure pure bliss pure bliss like you know from that point on i was like yeah, I'm gonna see fucking judge. I'm gonna fucking see judge. I'm gonna fucking sing along to fucking judge, and I'm gonna lose my goddamn mind in the process. And those three weeks, you know, me and Gil were like just eyeing each other. We're like, fuck yeah. And then the morning came, and like, you know, we got a couple of cokes. Yeah. And we drove down with Sam, and we just straight up listened to Judge the whole fucking way down. Jesus, Jesus, dude. And then they played, and like, I, I had a fucking great time. Yes. Me and Sam, literally. We're singing to each other's face and like the like the, the original lyrics yeah. to uh, the storm, like in each other's face. It was so lame. Yeah, I was gonna but say this so is profound, cool. the profoundly nerdy. But right. there's a passion. It's uh, I compared it to bring it to your world. I compared it to to the experiences of playing D and D. Okay, it's so profoundly nerdy. But but there's a there's a pa- in unleashing that profound nerdery. There's there's a, yeah, there's a creativity the, and joy that is rarely experienced. It's like the height of like what this subculture has to offer. You know, like looking forward to the moment. Maybe yes, not the yes. moment itself, but looking forward to that, which yeah. was like why I got into this when I yeah. would find out that like, holy shit, Bane is playing Wareham, Massachusetts. <laughs> holy fuck, I couldn't stop thinking about it for a month. Like, you know, those are the t- like types of things. And we were, I was just sort of thinking like, man, like if... Like a like a show, and not a thousand shows, but just like you know, if if this one show, you know, could like get people together and kind of get them hyped up, and and have a great time like playing the songs, we're like oh fuck it, man, this why, is why just a good ass fucking time. So yeah. like, you know, like in breaking it down in list form, it was like it's a combination of like the five of us literally just being like liking, like really coming back to the urgency of the songs and having fun with it. <sighs> Two, it seemed like 10 years on, surprise, much surprised to us. Kids like still gave a shit, like young kids still give, yeah. give a shit. And, and three, it's, it's a nice opportunity to get people to like hang out have like, and, and, and have time. a good time. And, and, and four, the last thing, like, you know, like we've seen the do's and don'ts and, you know, perhaps we could maybe play a role in modeling. Like, you know, a way to, a way to do this that doesn't take away the energy of the present moment, correct? But still maintain, like you know, because we're still alive when we play. <laughs> it, like 
it's not like not non have heart is playing have heart. Yes. It, it genuinely is. That's have heart. Us. Yep. It, it, like that. Look, we're actually playing those songs, and that kind of clicked in my head. Like, oh, for these four shows, we're actually playing. But like, how does it lose this idea that like, oh, wait, maybe that isn't that band anymore? Is when when you start to see like, oh, they're playing a lot of shows, and like, you know, just like wow. everybody's forty pounds overweight. Yeah, like yeah. yeah. They don't look the way they looked in my head when I was well, state, when I was moshing. You're gonna be okay. You guys look you know, about the same. Well, whatever it is, like you know, it's just like you know, that's still us. But like when you prolong the moment, then it starts to feel like ah, uh, you know, they had the spotlight. Why is they that? Why are they keeping it on them? So like we're thinking like you know like we're, we're holding holding to it like just just these four shows. If you want yep. us to play like something else, you want us to play your bar mitzvah, your quinceanera, like, you know, whatever you want, like it's not going to happen. Right. It's just these four shows. And maybe in 20 years we'll play, but that's probably more that's than likely gonna be not going to be wanted by anybody. Show. That's going to be a bad show. I will be in my mid fifties. That'll be, Nobody that'll be your 55th that. birthday. party. I don't want to watch that. That'll be at the barbecue. <laughs> And you're going over, you're like flipping the veggie burgers or whatever, and go, hold on, I got to sing this one. This yeah. one's called The Machinist. You're right, you're right. So basically me saying in 20 years, this is like, you know, like shorthand for like, no. Yes. And like, you know, like we could just do it, come in, it's in the span of like two weeks, mm-hmm. and it's just these four shows, and you know, like, hopefully we can, we can do it and it can leave a taste, you know, um, like... Like throughout the four shows, we're pulling up proceeds for the New Bedford Women's Center, which is where we donated like all the all of the money towards uh, from the last show too. So right. we're we're keeping that tradition like that tradition going of like you know you know this th- this can be a charitable act. Yes, and it, we're not going to hog the stage. The shows that we're playing are really like we want to have the young bands playing. We yep. have anxious and one step closer uh, right. playing the, like the first show back. And, you know, uh, it was important for us. We originally weren't going to be playing Sound of Fury. The idea was to, like, play that weekend yeah. on the day that Sound of Fury Sound of Fury is like a two-day thing. Yep. And so I remember telling Riley, like, no offense, but we don't want to play a fest because we want this to kind of, like, be your own thing. exude being mm-hmm. our own thing. Yep. But for logistical purposes, like, you know, the the venue was, like, too expensive to have on a, on a Sunday. So, you know, we said, you know, we're going to play that Friday night. And, you know, I made it clear to them that we really want, like, you know, want a diverse lineup we want a lot of young bands playing playing the bill we'd love for it to not be this like walk down nostalgic memory lane type of thing yeah i don't think it's gonna be and then the european shows it's all present day bands that we're having to play and right. you know it was tempting to have like you know why don't we get first to play why don't we have shipwreck to play like and we were like you know what that's kind of part of the problem we don't want this to be like people thinking like oh it's time to go in the time machine and thanks and we yes. said don't we said in our our pre-ramble here that uh we don't want the bring the old homies out show. Yeah, I got a strong feeling against that. Yeah, we're yeah. not into it. Like, so I, I've never we understand been, the impulse, but yeah, you know. I, I've never like been against the reunion. I'm, I'm against like the poorly done one that makes yep. it seem like, and this comes back to SoundCloud rap and my big rapture theory that like, uh, <laughs> like you got you got to keep the, the the candle burning in, in the now, right now, and like. Um, you know, like there's a way, there's a way to do it right that can kind of like maybe like you know re- remind people of like you know the joys of of hardcore, but mm-hmm. like, there's also a way to like empower like GB getting back together. I've always enjoyed their reunions. Uh-huh. Uh, 
like I, I can't speak for everybody, but like I've enjoyed their reunions and it was super empowering for me to see them when I eventually saw them. And same thing with Bold, the first Bold TV show. Oh my fucking God. We got to play that show. Yep. And like, I remember that, I mean, that lit a fire on, uh, like for Have Heart. Yeah. Just ton of, ton of, ton of other bands probably felt the same way. That was a crazy show. We were totally inspired by that, that set. And like, we all shaved our heads for that show and like, we were amped the fuck up. And it was super inspiring seeing them. And it, it, it didn't come off as like, you know, like, oh, this is ruined or anything no. like that. And, uh, you know, like, uh, it, it, although going forward, this it's important for us to like consistently relay the message that like, like hardcore definitely fucking dies. It can die, yeah. and that this idea of thinking that it will always kind of continue is like mm. super fucking dangerous. Mm. It's like because then you start to like you st- you start to forget things like you know what Raby was saying about don't forgetting the struggle in the streets and like you know like you gotta. Like there's a responsibility. If you're actually interested in this thing continuing on, if you think it's good for human society for there to be a thing like the hardcore, like hardcore? subculture, okay. uh, you it doesn't just skate. They're like you have to actually do things. And I think that, and the same thing applies like in any movement or building. Like the maintenance continues. Things don't continue without actual maintenance. So you 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 got to do the work and next thing you know your you know your shows are like i don't like just not your band shows but like your local shows are mm. poorly attended mm. everyone there is pretty old mm. and those old people are like pretty uninspired for reasons of biology yes <laughs> and that no longer becomes appealing to young people, which might explain like the turn towards SoundCloud, the turn towards that. that There's a lot of pointing at that, baby. It's new. There's a lot of young people there. And over the past few years, I've just sort of, I've just sort of thought that like, at least in in my view, I can't speak for everywhere else, that like, you know, like there, like there's been a decline in shows and in places where a lot of kids can get to, like in the suburbs. Yep. Coming, being, growing up in Massachusetts um, and really in a place like New Bedford in the New Bedford area, it's hard to get to Boston. It's it's a bit of a trip. And that was a hotbed for shows for a long time. New Bedford, yeah, yeah. it totally was. That's like, like That's Boston bands, stop and think, went to New Bedford. New Bedford. Yeah. American Nightmare went yeah. to New Bedford. They're like, you know, because that's where the kids, a lot yeah. of the kids were. Yep. And, 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 you know, like, it's a privileged thing to say like, you know, like, to go to a, a Boston show. Like, because it's fucking expensive to live in Boston. It's ex- like, fucking expensive live in new york and like there's this odd like facade that like i think that like you know the best hardcore is coming from the city centers and I, like i don't know i i really think it's coming from the places where there's like you know lower middle class like yeah. you know setting and you know, like you don't have to spend fucking twenty five hundred dollars to live in like a like a one bedroom or a studio apartment with an with an additional two hundred a piece for practice space. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yes. that, that's an element that I think is largely forgotten. Is that if you are playing music in a city such as New York, certainly San Francisco, uh, Boston, Boston on yeah. level, yeah. um, you are of a more professional ilk by virtue of the fact that you are paying, paying. Yep. to to do this thing, and I agree with you. When we're talking about seventeen-year-olds who might be the future of the thing, they're not 
Like, the, if they can scrape together $30 each for a practice space, <laughs> that's big. And they might just be using the one kid whose parents have an unfinished basement. You know mm. what I mean? They, they might be using that. But the, so, yeah. so I, lo- I, I largely agree with you that uh, the city cities tend to have a slightly older and also mm. m- more pro- pro-attitude sort of acts mm. coming out of it. And while I love some of that shit because I am both old and a pro, <laughs> uh, I think that if we're talking about the future, then it, it's not that. No, and I mean, if you, you, what you said is good, and it's the historical context is that, yeah, you know what? Washington, D.C., actually, it's had a long tenure of producing great hardcore bands more recently than sometime before that. But the real, when you talk about D.C. hardcore and you think you go to the early 80s. Yeah. When you talk about New York hardcore, well, you go through a lot of years, but you know there's little blips and bubbles that pop with these bands. If you want to go back through the past 30 years, so let's go back to 1989 and forward. I don't. I would really argue that most of the good bands came from not the city centers. No, in hardcore, you know, totally and not. It, it's it became a more suburbanized music for good or bad, but it also has to do with changes that are larger than the music and more to do with demographics. I was going to say demographic city changes. This is actually a heavy topic. Yeah, Uh, I think that we need to do the Rapture episode separate. Well, sure. This is a topic. You you hear us. We talk about this stuff constantly. Is the idea of age and where are the young people going? The funny thing I I think with hardcore that that, like it speaks to this problem is that like I think that there's a lot of like this weird economic guilt going on. Oh, Oh, yes. Like a lot of kids (laughs) like to feign lower class status they like to claim lower like lower middle class status they don't like anyone to really find out that they got themselves a a good old trust fund as a safety net coming on because that might that might distort the image that you actually aren't struggle fucking street john joseph you know (laughs) and that you aren't like you know, born out of like the caves of fucking the Lower East Side. Yeah, you're not the. Like, uh, you're not off the cover of the the uh, Roar comp. Right, is it, the fucking garbage can with a rat crawling out of it. Right, yeah. so like to me, that's like a huge fucking problem to like for this culture that like, you know, was born out of like young people who were just pretty much being like honestly themselves. It seems to be the case, uh, and this like feigning like oh i'm from like i'm from the poor streets it's like you're you're you have you're you're coming at this the wrong angle like so there becomes like this weird denial that like oh i'm from the suburbs yeah Uh, Yeah, like and 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 meanwhile like you know like i don't really know the economic background status of like every fucking band from the 80s that everyone worships worships but you know yeah there were some dirt poor people but so, there also were some pretty privileged people who came from nice backgrounds. Quite and, a few. And about, yes, like the, quite a few. D, as far DC, as I know, DC, DC was like, those those kids were doing pretty fucking well off. Go to the original yeah, Discord about- house. That Look that up on Zillow, friends. And then, I don't say this with any disdain. I think of Ian McKay as one of the most important strangers to my life. Um, his family was all right. Yeah, they lived ta- in Georgetown. You're talking about a lot of false church types. You know yeah. what I mean? Like it's, it's, it, But he, so... Well, this this also does play into the conversation we've had about hardcore as being a place that draws in people looking the the true weirds, creative and weird people, and it not being a, a like an economic status thing, but being a place of of expression, creativity, and you know uh, 
wanting the other, wanting something different than what you're being, what the other options are, are out there. You know, you know, just an interesting aside. That's just like a observational thing. Uh, previously it was, you couldn't reveal your status as uh, somebody who's not broke or come from a, yes. uh, you couldn't reveal that because it might ruin this perception that you were a street kid of some kind, whatever. Now there's no acts to my knowledge who are selling street. Now it's more in line with kind of a Twitter version of privilege where if, if you, if, if you cop to coming from a privileged background now, now the safe space venue might think you're whack, but not because you're not sell, you're not selling street. Nobody's selling street. Not since TUI has anybody actually sold the idea that hey, we're coming from a disadvantaged background, and that's part of our narrative. I don't see any hardcore bands doing that, but it is still uncool to be rich, for lack of a better word, it, uh, to come from privilege. It's, yeah, it, because of kind of a different the connotation, a there. different pressure, yeah. a, a pressure coming from kind of more the basement scene, which is a really interesting thing to me because it's still the same. Hey, you can't be real about who you are. Yes, but now for this other made up fucking bullshit yes, ass, yes. you know what I'm saying? So like, mm-hmm. the, the bullshit changes, but the the uh, sort of thrust behind uh, yeah, it. Yeah, the effort to have you not cop to what you are yeah. is still there. And yeah, and that stuff, I mean, that, that that's like the roots and seeds of like, you know, like, like you know, of like the, the real shitty and, and genuinely like terrible aspects of gentrification and how that shit can really just like <laughs> fuck up people's actual lives and, and like and to me it's like it's always been a problem and so i i was born into like what is effectively a middle-class family uh and one thing that i like i was big on with have heart was like you know like before it was you know a phrase to check your privilege but the song boston's is about like the fact that my father grew up dirt fucking poor under ne- like hard hard circumstances yet i was born into this kind of like like awesome, healthy, relaxed, privileged situation as like a middle class suburban kid, mm-hmm. and I went to college literally across the street from the the middle school that he went to, where he was like deciding to like turn his life around. And so like, you know that that song and the whole point that I, I really I really didn't like tough guys with no. that part. That was like a big thing, and like a lot of that was coming out like you're not so tough, like you you might not be so tough. You don't have to fucking fake it. Like yeah. you. What what is wrong with you being a nice nice person from <laughs> right. the suburbs? Yes. Do, do you want to sing it or do I? Even in the scene, when it was cool to be mean, <laughs> we went the other way. We went the other way. What is that? Shelter. A little shelter. Okay, I missed that one. This is a shelter. If you want, yeah, you, yeah, you, yeah. If you want, if you want, you can come to the farm with us. Super <laughs> we'll but, talk about it. But like, point is, like, you know, like. The more and more kids lie to themselves, and I could be wrong in this, I, I am being very general here, but the more and more kids like are lying to themselves, just in people oh. in general, like but specifically of a hardcore scene, I think that that's like that might explain like, oh, you know what, fuck the suburbs where the yeah. like you know hey, a bit of a, a bubble burster here for a lot of people, but like poor people and the lower class and the lower middle classes live in the fucking suburbs too you have like a lot of people have a weird distorted like like misinterpretation of how the cities work there's poverty outside of the fucking cities and 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 
you know, like the more and more you have this, like, oh, you're only like legitimate if you're living in these city centers where it's fucking hard to get a practice space. It's hard to live there. The venues don't want you fucking there. They're expensive too. Meanwhile, your local VFW, your local fucking yeah. Knights of Columbus, your your local like art galleries and like in like the New Bedfords or like the, anywhere that'll let you the community center that that's dark on a Tuesday or, and probably closed on Wednesday nights. The dance centers they they'll you, find a place to be creative. Yeah, young people look at Norwalk, Connecticut with the anthrax like yes. some of the best fucking hardcore came out of the goddamn suburbs so so you said an interesting thing that's literally given me douche chills because uh it makes me sad to think about it but uh a listener and a good friend a dear friend who lives up here and i wish i'd thought of it i would have tried to see him dave murphy uh lived in uh, a town summit new jersey for quite a while yeah this is in yeah this is uh a relatively affluent suburb of new new york city probably about a 25 minute train ride into midtown manhattan um you know a very nice place to live he worked uh he he volunteered his time at the food bank and he was like uh the first couple times i went there i was shocked at how busy it was and how many people were living in this town that we looked at as an quote-unquote affluent suburb who were, you know, children going home hungry, having no food, and having to rely on the food bank for anything. Yeah, I, I and, you know, and that's the, the the fact that there's a big dis, big disconnect in between reality of that and things that are happening in your town, in your place. Uh, it, it fucks with me. Here's the thing. That's to, there's a total disconnect on. A uh, friend from high school really underlined this for me. There's people... Uh, there's people who are listening to this who uh, grew up in or are growing up in really nice towns and don't realize that there is a single mother renting a one yes. bedroom and sleeping in the living room yes. so that her kid can go to a nice school, yes. which is a very common thing that yes. you are living among poverty. Somebody's living in somebody's attic right now, renting an attic so that yes. their kid can have an address to go to the school that that, that mo- single mom thinks is advantageous yeah. to that kid's future. That has a- an 82, 87 in uh, proficiency in, in reading and math as opposed to the 52 and 57. Yeah, it's a very normal know, thing to... like. Uh, it's a good point that uh, poverty in the United States, uh, we have a very fucking There's a veil feeling. over it well, in a really odd way. Now I'm getting heavy because I was just reflecting on the fact that as far as a culture goes, I don't know of any act that represents rural poverty in any real way. I, no. I can't think of any. And I was thinking about it across the arts. Maybe I could think of some filmmakers that come from that background. But I really Yeah, I, I can think of some of that. But but it's in it and it makes you wonder where they turn and what and when you think about the larger conversation. I think Oxycontin. I don't I don't, yeah, I don't to, know. to be honest, yeah. I don't know if there's Opioid like an expressive uh, element to that uh, reality. I don't live there. But mm-hmm. like but anyway, um well, Pat Flynn, you gave me a lot to fucking think about, well, dude. Well, good. I'm glad. And here's my last thing that I want to say is that, 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 like, I'm not saying that, like, hardcore is for the suburbs, but I've just, in my observation of the state that I live in, it seems like there's been just an overwhelming amount of shows in a in a city that has become increasingly really designed for the upper classes uh, and, and incredibly hard for those on the outskirts to get to. And, you know, I could be wrong. I'm not going out into all the fucking suburbs seeing all the shows. So I tell me if I'm wrong. I'm happy to be wrong and to be enlightened. But that type of stuff is like it's, um, man, it, 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 the food supply of this little subculture. Never, never mind 
<laughs> solving American poverty. Mm. Yes. But uh, we'll let, let's, let's, let's solve uh, American hardcore here. Okay. Uh, <laughs> right, very good. Uh, no, I just like the, the, the food supply of the hardcore, hardcore scene is, is young people. Yes. And, you know, and it's not so much just young people in the audience. It's, it's, it's young people in bands. Yes. And, and here's, here's the thing. And I, I get it. Most of the time, those young bands fucking suck. Terrible. They're, they're some of the Have worst. Have was bad for years. Let me be honest. Ooh, you guys were bad. We yep. were real bad. And I remember when you turned the corner, I was like, oh, that band's not bad anymore. Do, do you this know is when I, we started free. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was, it was uh, sometime, around, take, it was sometime around 2004, 2005. You guys got decent, and all of a sudden, and the thing that you will see is that the bands who are young and suck, guess who doesn't think the bands who are young and suck are so sucky other young people correct yeah and then the band who was young and sucks starts getting a little bit better yeah and all those kids who didn't (laughs) think they sucked that much now are going see we told you they're good that band's good and then you see half heart and you go oh shit um you see them at sync with cali in 2005 and me and riley go oh shit that band was crazy Okay, maybe we should do a festival next year that's more organized than this one. Yeah, and then and you, Have Heart doesn't have to jump on. We'll just book them. You get the excitement because you feel like you're a part of a community and you're growing with something, and you can play a part in supporting it. And I, I, all that stuff's like totally essential. And, and it's like fucking fun is the uh, end result. And, and and it's young people. You feel reflected. And, and this connected. You want to talk about this country's problems? It doesn't give a. F- Fuck about its young people. None. To me, like in hardcore plays a nice role as like, you know, youth service, which is why I appreciated Bane so much for so long. Mm. That they were like they were effectively serving the, the youth of our underserved the world. youth of Massachusetts and you know, fucking greater New England area. Yeah. And 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 that that's there's something to be said about that, especially in a in a country that I'm not saying we don't have a great American context, but like, you know, I, I really liked what you said previously. Like if you are a band in, in the states uh as opposed to abandoned canada you got a tough road in terms of trying to like get some fucking shows comparatively speaking because sure. canada they're like putting you on mt fucking v yeah. to, like you know you, you upon get, demo or your much music is, is rolling pretty quick <laughs> right, you're, you're like, gonna stipend to to tour right yeah. here it's just like fuck off you have like they do not want people young people it seems whether intentionally or implicitly to have a chance to to represent themselves, it's and the roots of straight edge. Is that uh, the the idea that not doing, not drinking, not being able to drink was a barrier of entry to to creating art? Yeah, was, yeah. was a big thrust That's a nice for that interpretation. dude. Yeah, uh, that comes from Ian, not me. Yeah, and it was it was a, a really interesting thought. It was like, yeah, you know, I didn't see the point of it. I thought that shit was whack. But then it was, oh, if you can't. If you don't drink or you don't do drugs or you're too young, you can't go to shows, and that's why the all ages shows thing was such right. an important thing. Yeah, uh, I so I think I could sit here and solve hardcore's problems, but you, <laughs> but you but you guys have a real if you meet the Buddha on the road, kill the Buddha attitude towards age. You know what I mean? Like you two dudes are ready to throw yourselves in the dumpster so, well, so, so, so that you, so that young people yeah. can fuck if, if, if it's the, the suicide prank, party. If, if it's the suicide, well, but I I think he goes on a little lean here that is slightly different than mine because I've leaned and said, "Yo, if it's if we sacrifice the old and I'm one of the old and I have to be sacrificed, so be it." I'm not taking the L. No, well, but, not, but here's not the, getting me out of here's here. the story. 
is I'll even go and say, hey, if you are the lifeline, the support, the sole support for hardcore in your area, but you're you're there and you leave and there's now nobody booking shows and no one doing anything yeah, and you, the shit dies. You could have mentored So be it. Oh, really? See, I, see, I think- but, uh, but I mean, but I have an example of what we do where I'm from and that's worked pretty well. And it's it's it is the, the quote unquote mentoring, but but you, there's even connotation to that. It's not it's not about mentoring. It's not like it's it's sharing. It's not passing down. Yeah, it's but not it's, paternalistic. No, it's there's no there's no sunning. There's no fucking kiss the ring and then you can one day be the king. No, it's just None let me show that. you how to do this. It's hey, let me help you. You want you need a hand? Let me let me help you. I'm happy to help you. Oh, you got a history? Yeah. Essay. Oh, you, you don't you know. Want to let down your history teacher. I'll help you book the show. I'll call the venue. Mm, Very good. Right. Uh, (laughs) um, All right. Pat, uh, I got all sorts of history questions for you, but I think that we've gone on a long time. Uh, We'll let you live. Uh, You're you're due back on. We we do have to flesh out your rapture, which is a, it's a like a cult idea that's circulated (laughs) on the uh, hardcore dark web. So I I really want to hear the 108 band, but uh, your 108 band, your 108 project band in 10 years is going to, uh, will compete. I'll do my cave in project band at the same time. And huh. we'll and we'll see if we can't arrive. Well, that'd be a good vibe. Yeah, and we'll mm. do a split that nobody will listen to because we're mm. old. Um, Digital split only. Yeah. Uh, and that'll be sentenced in space. Okay. Uh, thank you very much for joining us. Oh, it's, it's been a fun time. Does Jimmy John's have any vegan shit? Hey man, oh, I was said Jersey, Jersey, Mike, fucking Jersey Mike's. Mike's. I don't, Jersey Mike's and Jimmy John's <laughs> are very different. Could things. be fucking quiz knows to me. Vegan is showing. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't fucking like know that. shit about this. Yeah. Uh, all right. Thank uh, you very thank much. You. Yeah. And uh, yeah, this was a, this was supposed to be a quick one, so we're not going to do all our little socials. But you know, check us out and shit. Bye. Goodbye.